Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan MK, and by my side, as always, the March Heron, Aaron Stewart. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much, man. Enjoying a long weekend, getting lots of rest, and kicking off the week the right way with the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. That's right. That's right. And with us, we have a guest. I shouldn't know where it is. We have a guest. Another writer from the Roto Underworld, an editor, might I add. The EDG, as I like to say, the early down grinder. Chris B, because I already forgot how to pronounce his last name. So we'll go with Chris B, the EDG. Welcome to the Wonderland, the Mad Tea Party. What's up, man? How we doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here, man. I totally forgot I'm the e- EDG. <laughs> you reminded me. It's, it's a great name. <laughs> Came up with it a long time ago. Yeah, didn't you hear us pounding it when you were first coming out? We were like, EDG, EDG, get him going. I must have missed it. I was still oh. figuring out the headphones. <laughs> well, we are happy to have you here, and it should be a fun show. But before we begin, as always... We like to get into a little non-football chatter before the football chatter. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little serious, but we usually try and keep it fun. Sometimes I rant on things, I I will admit. But this week, I just got to ask, why the fuck are we not talking about UFOs more? I mean, this has been something I've been interested. The shirt, you see the black black light posters. This is my shit. There's videos everywhere. The Pentagon's admitted stuff. Barack Obama's talking about UFOs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen videos, photographs, evidence. Why are we not talking about this more? Is it because everybody's like, yeah, we fucking knew. It's about time y'all admitted it. Or is it because everybody's like, man, the world's fucking crazy enough right now. I don't need this too. It's just, just too much right now. What is going on? Why are we not talking about this more? Aaron. I think it's the latter there. There's so much craziness going on in the world that we go, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. I'll, I'll accept that. Not a problem. Chris, you got anything? Yeah, no, it's it's that may as well happen. I see aliens every day on like those weird Snapchat posts and stuff. Like, <laughs> I spent $9 million on plastic surgery in like the last year and their face looks like 14 Ken dolls you super glued onto a oh, man. Ken doll. I'm like, listen, I saw that. If something beams out of the sky, that's like Tuesday afternoon at this point. That's a good fucking way of putting it. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, it blows my mind because I seriously, you know, conspiracy thing theories are such a big thing now. And I'm like, this was one of the fucking originals, like one of the truth. And we're seeing it come to life. The truth is coming out. There has been government cover-up there actually is stuff out there they don't know what the fuck it is and it it, it just seems to get brushed off and i'm just like this is a big deal i think it's gonna take some independence day type shit with just huge spaceships coming down from the sky for anybody to really go okay we should really start talking about this shit right now because whoa because i just maybe i'm just a ufo nut i don't know maybe that's it i'm a little bit too obsessed with it but To me, it's just like, this is some amazing shit. But it's also, it's the same idea that, I guess, in my opinion, the idea that we're just like on this rock floating through space 
as a one Joe Rogan would talk, would say, just a rock flying through space. And nobody ever really talks about that either. So I just, maybe I'm just, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm done. I digress. Unless any of you have anything to add, we will move on to the football stuff. It seems well, like I'm the one that mostly is obsessed with this. No, no. I, when, when you brought up UFOs, I realized, wow, I'm not talking about you. UFOs enough. Like we heard about all this came out last year, and then you sent me down a rabbit hole. I mean, my my weekend was just UFOs. I'm sitting here looking at videos of Skinwalker Ranch and reading up about Nittenall and all this crazy stuff. And I'm waiting in a couple of weeks. Apparently, there's some like uh, like some like big docu say thing that they have to release that the Senate yes. asked for. Yeah, like that should be soon. So it's we're about to get a report in June. June. But, yeah, I mean, there's videos of UFO sightings, videos of like from like the Navy and stuff and all these cattle that are just like gutted and, and like com- completely surgically like turned inside out on this ranch. It's just I highly advise people to start talking about this more. It really, really was mind blowing. And you're right. The 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 understanding that we're just on a rock hurling through space <laughs> is just com- completely forgotten about because either it's too daunting, like you just you can't or you're just too self you know you're too self-centered you're like oh, i'm trying to take selfies i don't, I don't, I don't care about I, I just need the satellites yeah it just it just kills me sometimes it's like mass are taking away my freedom we are on a rock flying through space like god damn it well and i, I would think that you know with ufos like this would be great like to segue into fantasy football like we talk about last place punishments you know maybe last place has to get probed by by the aliens <laughs> Dude, I've got some theories about all the, the alien stuff. I, I, I interweave it throughout my stand-up comedy. But one of them is that, it, is that th- there are aliens and the world is a lot more like Star Wars or the universe than we really know. The problem is, the reason we really don't know is because we're the fucking black sheep. Nobody likes us. Because as soon as they came down to check us out, they were like, hey, let's check out these Earth people. We started shooting at them. And now they're like, yeah, fuck those people. And, and... I don't think the alien probing is a thing. I think that's like a, a juvenile alien like prank. That's what they just the the teenage aliens just fly around there like let's go grab a human and put stuff up his butt. Like that's what I think. That's all about if you ask me. Just theories. Just theories. But okay. So, on to the football. We go with the random fantasy thoughts like we do every week. And I want to begin, obviously, big news surrounding some big names. Trades may or may not happen. And everybody's kind of waiting for June 1st. Aaron, we'll begin with you. You're the contract man. What do you see coming up after June 1st? Because it doesn't seem like the Packers want to budge on Aaron Rodgers. And it definitely seems like Julio's out in Atlanta. So what's going on? What can we expect after June 1st? Well, with Julio, and it's one, even before I had my article go go live and ESPN, everyone was talking about it. Like, I knew Julio was going to be gone. Like, and, you know, if you mentioned it two weeks ago, people would roll their eyes and they go, there's no way he's owed like 40 million in dead cap if they cut him. Why didn't they move him before before this? And like the truth is, like in the complexity of salary cap stuff, is they they couldn't. They he was he was too expensive. That's why this post June first thing became a thing. Um, for people unfamiliar with it, 
in its simplicity, a post June 1st cut or trade allows you to take the, the dead cap. That's all the guaranteed money left on a player's contract. And you divide it between two seasons where the dead cap is a lot less that first season. It's just all the guaranteed money for the upcoming season. And then the rest of it rolls over to the next cap. So Julio Jones, like the reason we're, we're starting to talk more and more about Julio Jones is like his dead cap for the 2021 season. It's only about seven and a half million. Like they would save 15, over $15 million. And people go, why didn't they get any draft picks? Well, since it's post June 1st, you can't get any draft picks from 20 from the 2021 draft because that was in April. That was before June 1st. So trading Julio, even if it's to get draft picks, like the 2022 picks were the earliest ones they could get. And then I hear other people go, well, if, they're re- if they were rebuilding, why didn't they go Justin Fields over Kyle Pitts? And I think all of us agree, like, look, you take the athletic quarterback that produced a power five school, we would take him over a tight end if we're running a team. That's just not how NFL teams do it, though. And I believe their mindset is, why take the fourth quarterback on their board instead of the best player that wasn't a quarterback? So I don't think them taking Kyle Pitts like changed the plans at all with, with Julio. <clears throat> if anything, it probably helped a little bit. Kyle Pitts is, is different as a tight end. He's basically a Calvin Johnson type player playing tight end. Just pull up some highlights. Wow. I mean, we're not going to draft a one-on-one in dynasty rookie drafts, but holy moly, he's got a, a highlight reel of plays there. And you get Kyle Pitts to be that big bodied receiver. You can move on from Julio properly rebuild. Cause also the other thing that's coming up is Calvin Ridley is going to be due for a contract. So hmm. the, the Julio trade was a combination of the Atlanta Falcons. They try to compete. They failed. They had all their roster suddenly got old and very expensive just with a few players with Julio and Matt Ryan and everything. They brought in a new front office, a new coaching staff. Everything's new around Julio. So that was, this is the perfect time for the Falcons to, to move on. Now they tried to do things the right way. I believe, I think they tried to keep it behind closed doors until that Shannon Sharp, uh, staged or not staged thing with 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 julio happened um that may be a publicity stunt but now the cat's out of the bag on that one or or the i I like this analogy the the toothpaste is out of the tube and you can't put it back in so the the wheels are turning here yeah the the wheels are turning it's already it's already known like everyone now knows what people that are kind of following the salary cap and keeping track of what they are doing. One of the important things that they didn't do this off season is they had no cap space whatsoever, which is why they had Mike Davis a running back and nothing else. They couldn't pay anyone. Um, they could have created salary cap space by restructuring Julio's contract and they didn't. And when you restructure someone's contract, you, you create more guaranteed money. You, you take, a player's salary, you make it the minimum, and you convert that into a signing bonus to spread throughout the remainder of their contract. So it's basically, hey, we need some salary cap relief this season, but like we're making a commitment. Like you restructure someone, you're not moving on from them that season or possibly even the next season. If, that's why you have to be very selective on restructuring contracts. Usually I'd say 
quarterbacks or other top tier positions, if you have a shutdown cornerback, a left tackle, that's, that's really good. You don't want to restructure all these contracts. Otherwise you end up like the Cowboys and it's horrible. So sorry, I get to rag on my team, but Julio back to Julio. He's out the door. It's just a matter of seeing which team is going to trade for him at the Falcons are hoping that teams like the Titans, maybe the 49ers. I, I still think they're more of a dark horse team, but there is connections there. Mike Shanahan, like you hope these teams kind of bid themselves into a, a bidding war for Julio Jones, but he he's gone sooner rather than later. Chris, do you have anything to add about the Julio situation or anything with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, so quickly on Julio, I mean, the, the oh, but they didn't take a quarterback narrative is such a lazy take because if you just don't believe in fields, they don't want fields, and the team's not a quarterback away. They've had Matt Ryan. They've lost games relentlessly for years. They're not a quarterback away. It's a full rebuild. Kyle Pitts was the closest thing to a sure thing in this draft. I, as a fan, you hate the pick, but as an organization, they need to sell tickets. They can't just get rid of Matt Ryan. They need to earn money, and Matt Ryan makes money. So it's a lazy take. Julio's gone. Aaron Rodgers now, I've been the guy for weeks just saying they're not trading Rodgers. It's not going to happen. Teams don't trade franchise guys. And then as more comes out, like, you know, I, I, you have to change your opinion as information comes mm -hmm. in. So I've gone from 0% chance to 10 to 20. I'm at a coin flip right now. It's a coin flip. Aaron Rodgers stays or goes. I don't think anyone really knows one way or the other. There's enough contention from Aaron Rodgers to think that maybe something can happen, but enough logic that exists in the fantasy football space to know that moves like that don't just happen and players don't have that kind of control. So I, I hope that they go in the direction of keeping him because it would just make things a lot easier for football. If they do get rid of him, I want to see him in Denver and only Denver because that's the place where we get immediate increase of fun when it comes to playoffs and seeding this year because then we'll have, you know, Rodgers and Mahomes neck and neck with Herbert Ooh. sneakily on, on the tail. It'll be really fun in the AFC. But, yeah, it's 50-50. And anyone tells you otherwise, they're just lying. You know, it's not <laughs> – I totally agree. And someone look at Gutekunst recently was like, you know, there's no way we're trading him. He, he, you know, franchise, like he just, there's not, it's not happening. And teams will say that just to get leverage, you know, they'll say all sorts of shit. So I don't, I, I'm with you. I think it's 50 50. And I like you see Denver as the only option other than Green Bay. And I may be in Denver, but I'm no huge diehard Broncos fan or anything. So it, it, this isn't about it. This to me is like, put Aaron Rodgers with all those weapons and let's see what happens. Cause that would be fun. So yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I would love to see that happen. If not, hopefully they do keep his ass in Green Bay because that's the second best option in my opinion. So, <clears throat> all right. And one other thing, it, the Justin Fields thing, I was reading something, um, about how Denver, they were interested in a quarterback, but it was Trey Lance. And after Trey Lance was taken, then they weren't interested in Justin Fields. Carolina passed on Justin Fields. Like Aaron mentioned this a while back. Is there something we don't know about yet that is the potential reason for a few teams that, at least from the outside, we believe, need a quarterback that they passed on it. So is there something to that? Or like you said, is this just a matter of teams saying, 
it, you know, we're just not as high on Justin Fields and like Denver. Hey, we love Trey Lance. If he's there, great. If not, we're going to go elsewhere uh, it, it, because NFL teams do think differently. So what do you think about the idea that maybe there's something we don't know about to Justin Fields? What do you think about that, Chris? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were those reports where it was like, oh, he's, you know, last guy in first one out. Maybe he's a bit cocky and like arrogant because there's all these things that he's very smart. He's getting great, you know, results on these aptitude tests. I think the thing with Fields and we see it every year is NFL front offices still just aren't sold on the mobile quarterback, the Konami code guy. And I don't blame them as fantasy players. We love it. Lamar Jackson wins you fantasy championships, but they don't win real championships. Pocket passers that can successfully pass the ball outside the hashes down the field win championships every time. The guys who are mobile, they're efficient, but efficiency only gets you a lot of season wins. To win in, in the playoffs, you got to make big plays with your arm. And I think f- these these front offices in this draft specifically, maybe it's a character thing like Darius Geis where we just don't know. I doubt it. It's probably just a thing where they didn't feel the fit. You know, Denver has more of a win now mentality and you know, Fields doesn't feel like the win now guy. Carolina just invested in Sam Darnold, which 23 years old, he's basically like like an old rookie. And other teams probably should have pushed the trigger. I definitely think all of them should have taken the shot on Fields. But if you didn't believe in him, you didn't believe in him. And we still saw a team, the Bears, go out of their way to trade significant draft value for this guy. So it's not like he was Lamar Jackson who fell to 31 and the 31 teams passed on him and he was still great for fantasy. There's no character concern. So I'm not freaking out. In fact, I'm completely buying Justin Fields to the moon because he has those the, 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 the legs and there's no reason he's not going to start week one. So it's that's that's where where I come from on it. And I love to hear that. And that's why I was looking for another opinion, because I have acquired a lot of Justin Fields this offseason in rookie drafts. So. Because I've had a lot of, the, in a few different leagues, the third pick, and everybody's going Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. And I'm like, okay, I'll take Justin Fields. So thank you for helping me feel better about my choices. <laughs> All right. Now, as we have the early down grinder here, and he loves him some best ball, as did our last guest, Ray Ray, we're going to get into some best ball chatter. I want to hear from you, Chris, and tell me what you got on it. So let's get into it. General strategy. Where do we go with this? Because I, when, I've done a couple of drafts just recently, and for me, I kind of follow similar to what I do in, in, in um, just redraft. But uh, basically what I did was I grabbed running backs early. I made sure to get a mobile quarterback. Um, later in the draft, I grabbed a couple of the top rookies because I like to just grab flyers and uh, you know, especially because people were seeming to stay just completely away from the rookies. I mean, other than like ATN and Harris and maybe chase people were pretty hesitant to grab any of the rookies. So I got like Javonta Williams in one because I think he's going to do some damage this year. And so that's kind of the way I approached it. But before you get into your strategy, I have to ask, how much attention do you pay to buys? Because I paid no attention to buys at all. As someone who does the best ball, give me your strategy and what you feel about bye weeks if they're worth paying any attention to whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, bye weeks to me is one of those things that 
you're going to have overlap somewhere. Obviously, just you can't have nine players on by the same week. But as long as as long as you have at least two, as long as you have at least one guy who can start at each position during the bye week period, I wouldn't go any further than that. And I'm not going to pass on a very talented player at good value just because his bye week overlaps. The only exception maybe would be like my second quarterback because now I have to draft a third quarterback. So depending on the site, if it's underdog where it's 18 players, I'm not putting a third quarterback on my roster no no matter what. If it's best ball tens where you have 20 or like drafters where you have 20 or FFBC where you have 40 people, like then, yeah, you can draft two of the same bye week guys for those one-off positions. For wide receiver and, and, and running back, just draft good players. See where it takes you. Um, I mean, and – in terms of like the overall strategy, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to like preach pro- projections or sleepers or anything like that. I really try to focus on the game theory of best ball and how it separates from other formats of fantasy football, specifically too when we're talking about tournament style best ball. So if you're playing a tournament, which is, seems to be the most popular form of it, you know, you have to understand you're scratching a lottery ticket. You know, it's not one in 365,000 chance you win. It's one in so small of a chance that you win because you need guys to stay healthy. You need guys to do this and do that. And people always forget that at its core, fantasy football is gambling. So Mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're making a proposition bet that your players are going to hit their ceiling. So you see these people with team building strategy that always contradict their early decision making. And it's really just about setting your own opinions and thoughts on ADPs and tiers, sticking to them, and really focusing on maximizing each pick. So, like, I did a best ball draft today, earlier, where, you know, the typical build is, like, two or three quarterbacks, five to six running backs, you know, seven to nine receivers, two to three tight ends. I'm starting to get into the habit of just going three or four running backs, honestly, because your first two or three running backs, if they don't hit – you know, having, you know, Naheem Hines catch 60 passes is not going to win you a best ball tournament. Maybe if it's like a, just a 12 person league. Sure. But, you know, so I, I drafted Cam Akers at the back half of, of, of the first, and then I waited till round five for Chase Edmonds and then round six, um, no round five miles Gaskin was there. And then round six Edmonds was still there. And after that, I really didn't draft guys because I'm essentially making a value proposition bet that those three running backs are going to be at least a, a, a one RB one, two RB2s, they all finish in the top 24 and they all have weeks with their top five RB scores. And then the rest of my team, I'm going to follow the same, the same general strategy in each draft. So it's almost like whatever league you're doing to get variants, whatever running backs you select in that round, your whole team relies on, on those backs. Like any team where you drafted Saquon Barkley last year, you lost that league. It didn't matter what else you do drafted. Like you lost. So why are you wasting your time drafting four running backs in the first six picks? It's you're not doing anything for your team. Get those valuable wide receivers in round two that are being overlooked. Like just smash the button on Terry McLaurin in, in the mid third round. Why are you even wasting your time with Najee Harris when you already drafted two running backs? You're, you've already bet that RBA is your winning ticket. You don't need more winning tickets. You got to spread the field and just maximize each pick and then realize that the tiers are there. And this year, has been wild with RB thirst. I'm in best ball drafts with 10 of the first 12 picks are running backs. How, like, I've always been a robust RB guy, but I find myself more and more going wide receiver heavy early on because same thing, you you just, you have to see that the tiers are there. If there's an elite wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, even though a back-end RB1 like Najee Harris is there, I have to go elite player over, over you know, top value player because elite is better. You know, it's like the tiers. And then, 
The last point in terms of making these value proposition bets, it's also leaving flexibility on your roster and counting on your late picks too. You can't just get three running backs early on and say, all right, I'm set. Because if you don't at least try to win the game of getting a late round running back, you're now you know, chopping yourself in the leg of your potential upside. When I take Chase Edmonds in the sixth, I'm hoping he can be Austin Eckler from years ago when he was taken in the sixth and finished as, as an RB1. And doing that allows me now to get that DeAndre Hopkins in round two. So you have to play all 18 rounds, all 20 rounds. You can't just say I stacked my first eight rounds and sucking at the back end is fine. Like if you want to win a tournament, you're not playing against the 12 guys you're drafting with. You're playing against all the teams that win their divisions. So it's really, I really just try to focus on that game theory, came up with my own rankings, commit to them. And you have to understand you need to hit and win on every single pick. There's no lame duck picks that are going to bring you to a million dollars. It's just where I come from on it. I love it. I love it. I, I know now, now that I heard him, I want to, <laughs> I want, I'm going to have him grade one of my teams in a second, but Aaron, did you have anything you, to add? I'm sitting there because the truth is, I am a best ball rookie. I've always understood the concept of best ball. I, you know, to me, it was sounded great in years past, like, Hey, a fantasy football league that I can draft. And then I don't have to worry about anything, but this is truly the first year that I've participated in best ball. So I'm trying, and I'm sure when I look back on my teams at the end of the year, I'm going to be like, Oh, oh. and hearing you, hearing you, Chris speak about this. I'm like, wow. I got to try some different things with my best ball traps here, but it, it makes sense. Like the way that you put it there is like, especially like depends, depends on the, on the best ball league that you talked about. If you're in these, the, the massive, what is it? Underdog has like the million, uh, do they have a million dollar maker or something like that? Yeah, they it's have like best ball mania it's called. Yeah. So I, I'll have to, I'll have to adjust my strategy. Cause yes, I, I think we're all in the same group of, like robust RB is, is great. Um, like that's more preferred when you're doing 12 teams. Like, Oh man, I, I love, like I have one league where I drafted four running backs first four rounds and like, yes, I could only start three, but I was like, I'm going to have four. Cause I'm going to make sure I can have three running backs to start against you guys each week. And I felt confident about getting some, some good receivers did pretty decent in that league, but I think, as you mentioned, like I kind of chopped my legs off there by, you know, having my fourth round pick be a guy that I couldn't start that often. So it is trying to adjust my strategy to a redraft, but also best ball as well, because it's, you're right. Everyone's going for RBs early. So how do we find that edge? So I like the, I like what you put out there for us. That is some food for thought. I love it. And I just want him to grade my team real quick because I feel like it's a good team, but some of the stuff he said made me go, huh? Because I'll be honest, last year was my first year with best ball. And, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember really how I approached it, but I know I, I cashed in some of the leagues and I did okay, but I was like, uh, I'm just going to see what I do this year. And I did a couple last week before Ray Ray came on. I did a couple this weekend and this is a team that I really, really like. So first few rounds I went JT Zeke George Kittle AJ Brown was my first four rounds and then I went which I think you're gonna hate (laughs) and and then I went Antonio Gibson CD Lamb Lamar Jackson Dak Prescott Kenny Galladay Tyler Lockett 
Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Will Fuller, Devontae Smith, Logan Thomas, Justin Fields, Rondale Moore, Ronald Jones. Okay, and this was what, a six-person league or? Six-person, yeah, six-person. <clears throat> okay, and this was uh, an underdog, 18 players? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, but based on the, on the, the team that you just presented to me, um, definitely did a good job with running backs. You know, you, you hit stable value early on. And one thing I've actually seen over the years of looking at previous best ball results, running back ADPs are pretty solid, at least for the first like 14 running backs. The industry really seems to know how to get them. You have a bust here or there, but they're pretty solid. So you can kind of just follow it for the first 14, 15 backs, which you did. Um, and then, you know, tight end, you did really well because you got George Kittle early, which in a six person format, I can be okay with. You have to be flexible based on league, you know, scoring rules. So 12 team league, I don't take tight end that, that early because they're available so late, but 16 league, you do want that competitive edge at every position. The only, only downside would be taking the third quarterback like you essentially like I was talking about before you you place the proposition bet on Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson essentially both being top three quarterbacks this year so if you were to hit on both those bets which is you know a decent bet you don't need to hit on that third bet to get 30 plus fantasy point weeks out of your quarterbacks each week and in best ball because of the game theory of your roster construction and each spot mattering so much there's no transactions you can take that extra spot you spent on fields, which is going to net you very little to your lineup every week and spend it at wide receiver or running back where you have more variance and you need to get more guys involved, especially because like, you know, when you're in 50 best ball leagues like me and you're bored on a Tuesday at work with 40 minutes left. So you say, let me just see how every single team's doing. And you look at them, you see like it's week 11, you have four wide receivers injured, two on by, and you're now down to just, you know, like David Moore and Tyler Lockett. Those are your only starters for week 11. You lost week 11 and a very com competitive best ball league. You lose week 11, you lose. So, you know, I maximize each spot. And if, and it's really, I mean, I can't stress this enough with, with best ball, the players you take in the first six to eight rounds where we know these guys are useful, you're betting on them to hit your end of your, uh, your, the rest of your draft. The strategy is the guys I draft in the first eight rounds hit whatever risk they have. You forget about they've hit. When I take chase Edmonds in the sixth, he's an RB one. I don't need to now take three more running backs to cover myself. No, like I'm good. I took chase Edmonds. I made that bet. If I want to, if I want to cover myself, I cover myself by spreading the variance through various teams and changing up who I draft, not by trying to get extra running backs in round 11, you know, shoving Philip Lindsay onto my roster isn't going to help. You know, I'm, I'm happier to take Jacoby Myers because at least he can have a two touchdown week where he scores 30 fantasy points and helps you win that week. So maximize each spot, understand the game theory of best ball is massively different than any other form of fantasy football because there are no transactions. Aaron had to been so happy there. What he heard was boo, Philip Lindsay, yay, Jacoby Myers. That, that's all he heard. And he was, I had to dance and celebrate for him. I just have and to it, ask, was it, was it tough to prop up Jacoby Myers being a Jets fan though? Is it... Listen, I, when I decided to get into fantasy football, it's because the Jets were so unwatchable. I needed another way to like football. Yeah. And I like to think I've pulled all like subjective enjoyment of the Jets out of my fantasy takes. I spent all last offseason drumming the, like just pounding the table. The Jets were going to win zero games. Every single one of my friends just hammered me for months. You're the worst Jets fan ever. What do you mean they're going to win zero games? They have Le'Veon Bell. I'm like, dude, they have nothing. They have Adam Gase and a bad quarterback. And I, it was the worst time to be right ever, but 
I was right, you know, so <laughs> I don't let it get in the way. <laughs> hey, I get you as a Cowboys fan. Like I watched the Cowboys when Quincy Carter was a quarterback. So yeah, if the Cowboys were any good, who knows? Maybe I never got into fantasy football as much as I have. So yay, bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it, it was the Vikings. So, you know, there you go. I, I mean, and, and I'm not as much of a I don't even, it's hard because fantasy football kind of made me not care so much about, because I still have teams in other sports, but with football, it's just like, I just got tired of the bike because it, you could just tell they're, they're cool with, with making the playoffs every other year, making enough money. And I'm just, they're just the effort to actually get a championship contender is not there. And I'm just like, I, I, I can't do it. And also fantasy football, I just, I get so much more into players that it's hard to have a team that I, cause I like, I just have these players that I really enjoy either watching or seeing what they're doing. So it's, I don't know. It's been weird for me. It's been weird for me, but it, it was the Vikings. I bled purple for many years um, living in the Midwest and, and, and the, yeah, that was just lots of heartbreak, lots of heartbreak. But we, but yeah, we don't I, need- I mean, so, like, you're saying the second Kirk Cousins contract extension made you think they were trying to win, you know, championships? Like, Dude, I love Kirk Cousins, but they keep signing him. I, I'm telling you, when they first said Kirk – when they first signed Kirk Cousins, I was – I told my brother Tyson. I was like, Tyson, I'm about done with these fucking purple fuckers. Like, I, I was so goddamn mad. And then the second one, and extending Zimmer – and I'm just like, because I don't, I'm not a big fan of defensive head coaches anyway, because I, I mean, that's not great for an offense because offensive coordinators tend to be targets for head coaches. So then you're, you get, I mean, look at Zimmer. He's been cycling OCs for years. And it, it just it, like, I'm just like, I, I just, and they want to keep extending him. People are like, yeah, but they make the play. I'm like, they make the playoffs every other year. He don't do shit in the playoffs except beat the Saints. And I'm like, I, I just like, yeah. And you want to keep giving these assholes money. Okay. I, I, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's where I'm at. <laughs> as a fan, they're, <laughs> they're brutal. But as a fantasy analyst, you have to praise a team like the Vikings because it's the only team we can all accurately pr- project to nearly a hundred percent every year. We know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> it's not, there's no mystery in Minnesota. That, that is true. That is very true. Okay. Where the hell were we at? Um, best ball chatter, <laughs> general oh, strategy, and that's because we completely skipped on half of the fantasy half random the thoughts. But that's okay. <laughs> We're gonna hit those later on. Let's continue on yeah. with best ball chatter. We had a little like tech technical difficulties at one point folks i like to be transparent (laughs) i like to lean into the mistakes and and that's what we're doing here we had a little mishap so we're just trying to get back on track bear with us best ball chatter okay value traps chris where are you at and and some of these rookies that uh, that i nabbed up in later rounds could they be kind of a trap am i just wasting my spot there a little bit where are some value traps you see yeah, so I mean, listen, value traps exist in the early rounds. If it's the late round, it's really hard to have like a value trap. There's just poor value, you know, like to at least to, to me. So I have a general value trap strategy for wide receiver. I want to break down really quick, but first, like I I'm gonna die on this hill. 
and I know it's the wrong hill to die on, but I'm not drafting Derrick Henry as a top five running back in any best ball league this year. Maybe in like a 12 person, $10 league. That's just that league, but I can't do it. I not in a half PPR format, not as a top five running back. If he was like, if I got him at like one Oh eight, yeah, sign me up. Derrick Henry, you can't go wrong. He's the safest pick in the first round. Like we know he's probably not going to get hurt. He's in his DeMarco Murray last year in Dallas twilight year. Like he still has juice for 350 touches. Yes, but he doesn't catch the ball. And we've seen, it's like the one thing, the first rule you learn when you play fantasy football, like running back targets are worth so much more. And the fact that he goes like before Saquon Barkley, like that is mind boggling to me because Saquon Barkley is going to get the same amount of total touches, but 50 more receptions. And that alone, like Derrick Henry should be in the back half of the first round to take him at three, especially in a tournament. Like I know I just said 15 minutes ago in the early rounds, you want to just play it safe and running back ADPs are usually pretty spot on. Like I get it. He's the one exception to that for me in a tournament because he's the only one where you are really not getting extra juice than what you're drafting him as. And I get, it's like the first couple of picks, they're all at their ceiling, but we don't really know the ceiling for like a McCaffrey or a Barkley. Whereas we exactly know the ceiling for Derrick Henry. It's what he did last year. And that team is going to be worse. The Titans were nine and seven for four years in a row. Went 11 and five through variance got rid of all their playmakers on offense besides A.J. Brown. Right. They, they can stuff the box, and marginally, that's going to bump him back. If he, if he finishes as the RB9, like, was it a good pick in redraft? Yeah. Is it great in Dynasty? 100%. Is it good in your 12-person best ball league? Sure. If you're trying to win a best ball tournament and your third pick ends as the RB9, you've lost. It's over. Terrible bet. So that's my first, like, just individual player value trap. I don't know if if you guys agree with me at all. I know Derrick Henry is well-loved. Well, first of all, before you jump in, Aaron, I'm pretty much done with Derrick Henry everywhere. So, I, I mean, that that's just me. That's just me. I, I just – but I'm very big on at, at least dynasty, better a year early than a year late. I just I'm, – I'm ready out. I use those guys for a few years. It sounds bad, but I use them for a few years and then I'll put them up for trade. Cause that's just the, like, to me, the best way to go about it. So I'm, I'm personally done with Derrick Henry and I'm not going to lie value trap. Here's another leaning into mistake. I, you know, I should have known because I've looked at, <laughs> I've looked at that, but I was taking it as someone you would think was a value, but it's a trap. Like, Star Wars. It's a trap. Like, you know, it's a trap. Not really a value. So that's why I was thinking later on. Like, I might think those rookies are value right there, but they're really not that kind of trap. But I totally approach it. That and my excuse, I don't know. Weed, I guess. I, I don't know. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on. Lean into the mistake. Full transparency here, folks. Anyway, um, Aaron, for you. Well, I think the things I've kind of learned. Like I said, I am admittedly a best ball rookie. But everything I knew about non-super flex redraft leagues of, oh, yeah, wait, get your quarterbacks late, seems to be the opposite for me here in best ball. Like, give me – I am trying to get the Lamar Jacksons, Dak Prescotts, Kyler Murrays. Uh, I am a huge fan of Jalen Hurts in fantasy this season. I'm super high. I've planted my flag on him being the QB1 this year. But to me, the, the dead zone, like the, the value traps is like you look down and, and yeah, Tom Brady had a fantastic touchdown season, but like he has to have this ridiculous touchdown rate 
in order for him to be a QB one, uh, a Matt Ryan, which yes, like the Falcons, no defense and they're going to pass, but I, I don't like the guys that have no rushing upside. Like I, I don't want to wait and be one of the last guys taking a QB because the, the Staffords, the Ryans, the Brady's, these QBs that don't offer any rushing upside. Like I, the way I see it is like, th- those are value traps. Uh, to me, they're almost wasted traffics there because even, Oh, which, which guy was it that I was looking at earlier? It might've been Stafford. It's like, you look back and it was barely any QB one weeks. Granted, I know he played some of that injured, but geez, you're, you talk about like best ball. You're, you're not playing for second place. You're playing to win. Like, shoot, if I'm going to take a QB, like late, if I'm, I, I might as well shoot for the moon. And, you know, you got on to Ryan's Justin Fields pick, but if I happen to wait to, and, and I get the theory is like, why, why take him as QB three when you have two awesome quarterbacks, but you know, if you're going to get Justin Fields, take a Justin Fields late and maybe, maybe one of the other veteran quarterbacks of course i'm kind of gutsy and i'd like hey you know what i'll go trey Trey lance and justin fields and get get my two rushing quarterbacks late uh ideally i want to get the qbs early but that's that seems to be the value trap for me is everything that we've been told in fantasy for what half a decade at least on weight on quarterback seems to be the opposite here for best ball Real quick, because I know Chris wants to jump in. That That's actually part of how I approach things in almost every league, because it is at the point where, and, and I've wrote about this because I've really looked into it. Th- there's a different, the mobile quarterbacks provide an advantage. They really do. Infant, and, and, and just this, it, it drives me crazy. Just like with tight ends, we mentioned George Kittle. Um, like there is a huge difference between the top few guys at that position and the rest. And so, yeah, it might be crazy to take a Kittle in the third round, maybe, you know, in a lot of leagues, but it's like, that's a decent position, like advantage you're going to have against two thirds of your league, you know, like that, that's something to consider in my opinion. So I, that's something I always have in the back of my brain, like that third, fourth round area. If I'm not seeing running back wide receiver that I just totally have to have, I'm going to start looking QB and tight end. And that's immediately where my brain goes. But Chris, as far as what Aaron was saying, Uh, and, and, and along with the value traps at quarterback, go ahead. Yeah. A lot of what you both are saying. I mean, first off, Coming after Tom Brady's value this year is fighting words, Aaron. So I'm gearing up for a fight right now. And, and we're going to have to bookmark Jalen Hurts because I keep hearing about Jalen Hurts. And I'm going to be honest, Jalen Hurts for me is like my one blind spot. He's the one fantasy player that I just know very little about. And I guess I didn't really watch him at all last year. And I'm basically drafting on him just on faith. I have no conviction or reason to do it. So you're going to have to let me know later. But I was... We're, and we're going to circle back to Tom Brady too, but based on the original question of value traps. So I get what you're saying, Aaron, about, hey, like Fields was still a good value pick as that third quarterback on Ryan's team. But just there's two like there's two versions of value. There's value in general, yes, but then there's value to your team. So was it a right. good pick? Sure, but it wasn't value to the team. You know, right. if, if, if the pitcher throws a 100-mile-per-hour per, per fastball in the bullpen warming up, but then throws a 95er on, you know, in the actual game and the dude gets on first, like it didn't help the team. It was a great pitch, but it wasn't useful. So like, I, I would still disagree, um, but it's good practice for sure. It, it really always, the, the thing with value traps is 
if you want to boil it down to like lame, like really simple terms into what best ball value you want is you want players who can finish at the top of their position on any given week and how many weeks can they do it? So can you be an RB one through 12, a wide receiver one through 12, you know, so on and so forth. And how many weeks will you do it? So like Dalvin cook will be an RB one through 12 almost every week. That's why he's the first or second guy off the board. So as you're getting later and later, the only real value traps are players who really don't have upside to reach a WR one week or an RB one week. So when you're really late, like I'm going after Denzel Mims, you know, not even because I'm a Jets fan, because if I'm willing to take a gamble again, we're gambling. I'm willing to gamble that Corey Davis is just a, a, a WR two and nothing more. And Elijah Moore works in the slot. And if Zach Wilson is any bit as talented as we think he could be, then Denzel Mims could very much thrive. And if Denzel Mims has three weeks as a WR one and three weeks as a WR two, where you're drafting him, that's a win. Now, in terms of value trap, taking someone who really has no legitimate upside for that top week is what I've learned was a bust. So I don't necessarily know the late round ones this year because they're kind of already off my my board. But like some that I whiffed on last year that are good examples of this are like I was soaking up Adam Humphreys because I'm saying, oh, slot receiver, going to get a lot of work in Tennessee. They're going to have to pass this year. And that was a bad pick because even if Adam Humphreys got nine targets in a game, he's still not going to be a WR1. He had essentially zero path to a WR1 week. And when you're in the 18th round of, 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 of a best ball league, if that player literally finds his way to your lineup one time, you won that pick. You know, it's because you can't ask for much more in August to do well in the 18th round. So, it, and again, it also comes back to your team building strategy. So I did a best ball, that, that best ball draft earlier. I ended up with, um, Terry McLaurin, like, uh, uh, Deandre Hopkins, um, uh, two other, like really good WR one types. I got Brandon cooks as my fifth receiver. I consider him a top 30 receiver. And then I got Mims and I got, um, like Nico Collins, who I really believe in late. And one other guy I'm blanking. Oh, Terrace Marshall, who I'm hugely on as, as a sleeper, which I'll get into with my other best ball strategy for value traps. He, so I figured with those guys, like those six dudes, I was confident with that. So I didn't want the ninth receiver. So I took a complete shot on Darrington Evans with the last pick. I said, you know what? Maybe Evans is the receiving back there or Henry gets hurt. But I feel like with this build, I can risk a useless 18th pick. But I put thought into it. It wasn't just, I don't know what to do at this point. So, but just the general value traps that I'm looking at too is when you're earlier, is like Ryan was saying that that he starts to uh, push quarterback and tight end in those middle rounds because there's not receivers he necessarily loves. And I was doing that a lot last year and players do that a lot. And one thing I learned is you got to take the uncomfortable receiver that your tiers and your draft board is telling you is a valuable pick because I did this so much. You push it off. You say, there's going to be receivers later. There's going to be receivers later. There's going to be receivers later. And then suddenly Jacoby Myers is your fourth receiver. And I love, I love him, but he's not your fourth receiver. He's your sixth receiver. So like, and a good way to do that is just like get used to pulling that trigger. And really once you're outside of the first four rounds after round three, ADP doesn't matter. So ADP is pretty solid for all positions through like rounds one, two, and three post round three, take who you like. I'm taking Kenny Galladay in the fourth every single time. Like, but he's a fifth round pick, but I don't care. He's an alpha receiver. Who's going to get a dominant target share. So, you know, I'll take Brandon cooks two rounds early in every single draft, because I understand that nobody likes Brandon cooks, but Brandon cooks is good for fantasy. So 
you know, it's just, it, so I still have to just like disagree with what you guys said. And I, I have one more point on value, but I don't want to just like rant. So do you guys want to interject at all with like my points? Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so one way that I'm really trying to dive wide receiver value this year is it, it, I, I'm going to mention this so many times, but it all comes to tiers. So with wide receiver, for example, there's one big tier at the top and it's the, the first players you want to get on your fantasy team are alpha wide receivers that get an alpha workload and not every alpha wide receiver gets an alpha workload. Amari Cooper doesn't count as this because he doesn't get the alpha workload. He has the same target share as the other guys in his offense. You know, Allen Robinson gets an alpha workload. So this tier is essentially like, you know, Tyree kill through Allen Robinson and it ends at Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. Amari Cooper and Mike Evans are the first players of the next tier of alpha receivers with a non-alpha workload that are in a consolidated target share. So after alpha receivers, you want to target guys in a consolidated target share, where is an offense where you're looking at two or three receivers, get a bulk of the targets. So the classic one for years was dealing digs in Minnesota. My go-to example is the Cowboys is a three-way consolidated target share. And yes, other guys get involved, but it's essentially Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup. So last season, Cooper, 130 targets, Lamb, 111, Gallup, 105. And in terms of fantasy point scoring, Cooper, 190, Lamb, 180, Gallup, 143. Last year was a really just statistically poor year for Gallup because of random variance pulling him down. So he does have room for positive regression in that regard. But their ADPs right now, you know, Cooper is going 33 overall. So in the late third round, CD Lamb right behind him, 36th overall. Gallup, 90th overall, mid seventh round. So you're telling me that in the third round, I can buy Amari Cooper at his ceiling, a third round pick. That's the, his ceiling. You're taking him as the wide receiver 11. Like that's best case scenario. I either have to take him at his ceiling or it's the third round. I can get a guy like DeAndre Swift, who's at his floor in the third round and is at a position of more scarcity especially if you're drafting late first round. So let's say my first two picks were Tyree kill AJ Brown at the 111, the 202. Now I have two great receivers. I'm at the back end of the third round. I don't need Amari Cooper. I need DeAndre Swift. I need an RB one. And my proposition bet for this team now is that DeAndre Swift is going to have an RB one season because you're not betting that those two receivers are good. We know that, that they're good. Now, three rounds later in the seventh, I'm going to get Michael Gallup because of course I still want the Dallas Cowboys offense. It's going to be one of the best offenses in fantasy. You want pieces of good offenses, but you want the cheaper ones. And if you look at the target dis- distribution for all these consolidated target share teams and the a- the ADPs, just always get the cheapest guy. Like between Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, take Tyler Boyd in the mid sixth. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, they're all kind of clustered, so you really can't go wrong. But Juju's still two rounds cheaper. I'll take Juju. He led the team in targets. No, he was number two in targets last year. Like, you know, he's fine. The the one where it's really stark, because most of these teams, all their players are gone by round eight, because we all know which offenses are good. The one where it's really like, wow, here's value, is Carolina, which is an underrated, prolific offense that nobody thinks of. And Sam Darnold is not going to be worse than Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater statistically was horrible last year. And that offense still produced three top 30 receivers. So what are we talking about? This is going to be a good team for fantasy. DJ Moore is a mid third round pick with 118 targets last year. Robbie Anderson, who actually had 136 targets last year is a six round pick. I'm not touching Robbie Anderson, but like if you draft him, I don't blame you. And 
Curtis Samuel last year had 97 targets. I mean, that's just short of 100, and they clearly didn't like Curtis Samuel that much. He wasn't part of the game plan. And Christian McCaffrey coming back doesn't affect the target share because him and Mike Davis both had 6.5 targets a game. Nothing changed. Of these guys, though, Moore is a third-rounder. Anderson's a sixth-rounder. Terrace Marshall is a 12th-round pick. A 12th-round pick. He's walking into 110 targets as a rookie, potentially. And if you believe in his talent, which I do based on his profile, for a 12th-round pick, he's the guy to target. He's the guy that I will draft him two rounds early every single draft. He, I, Him and Brandon Cooks, I'll have 100% exposure to just based on value and, 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 and upside. And that's one of those things where – in best ball, you, there's two types of approaches for every draft. There's staple moves you're going to make in every draft that you firmly believe in. And then the moves that you need to have variance because you need to spread the field. So like drafting Justin Fields in every draft, drafting Terrace Marshall, you can do that 100% and be fine. But you also need to like switch it up. And it's okay in a best ball draft to say, you know what, I'm going to draft Aaron Jones over Jonathan Taylor because I just don't have any Aaron Jones. Do it. It's fine. They're all good. They're all a difference of 20 points on the season does not tank your 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 league. It's an ACL injury that does. Or it's, you know, just drafting the straight up wrong guy. So taking Amari Cooper, where you take Amari Cooper goes before Terry Mc, McLaurin, who is just being disserviced as like a wide, as a mid-range wide receiver too, when he's a clear-cut top eight receiver. I mean, he's on all my teams because he's an alpha receiver who's going to get an alpha workload. Curtis Samuel is not a significant number two. There's no other significant pass catcher there. Logan Thomas was volume-fueled last year. Terry McLaurin is going to get 30% target share, and he is the best quarterback of his career. Like, this is what we waited for for years with Allen Robinson and never got. So the fact that people are pushing him behind Mike Evans and Amari Cooper, who are not alpha receivers with the alpha treatment, that's the value trap. So it's understanding like, hey, it's best ball. So you want peak weeks. You want big weeks, yes. But you also want stability to a degree. And it's not seasonal. In a seasonal league, yes, take Amari Cooper because you can confidently play him every week. I'll never know when to play Michael Gallup. But in best ball, take Michael Gallup because Amari Cooper's 14 points a week help you less in best ball than Michael Gallup's six weeks of 25 points and then his eight weeks of four points. Because those weeks of four points, that's why you have eight receivers. You have eight receivers for a reason. So when Michael Gallup only puts up four points, you don't care. But when he puts up 28 points, he's a WR3 on, on the week, and you got him five rounds later than Amari Cooper, and at that pick, you were able to get an elite RB or a Patrick Mahomes, you're winning your league now. So, you know, it's that's it's a value-based proposition of understanding of kind of adjusting value-based drafting into a best ball because value-based drafting is, is your value over stream. So is the wide receiver I'm drafting X amount better than who's going to be available on waivers week one? In best ball, it's kind of like value over 12th round. Is the person I'm drafting here going to be better than my alternative choice in the 12th round? And at quarterback and tight end, you still have starters in the 12th round. At running back, it's dry by week by round 10. And wide receiver, they're starters, but they're they're upside darts. The, it, the line for me is Terrace Marshall and Denzel Mims are going around the same spot. After them, you're shooting for the moon. But that's basically where, where I'm seeing it. I love it. <clears throat> I Yeah, I don't have anything. Oh, no. Yeah, we got I don't really have I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, I, other I'm than knowledge, <laughs> I'm gonna just keep soaking up the knowledge. Yeah, because I like I said, I, I don't have it. So, <laughs> and, and I practically forgot what I did last year. So it, this is good stuff to know because I feel like oh okay now he did he, my, he didn't 
completely destroy my team so that's all right but there's definitely some stuff i need to work on and uh so let's get into sleepers real quick then we can take a quick break before we get into our game and with sleepers i just have one and and really i've i've found this one really across all formats it's blowing my mind i actually have quite a bit of this dude uh across dynasty leagues on taxi squads and that is a one Adam Troutman. He's the starting tight end for the Saints. There's no competition. And, I mean, we'll see what happens with quarterback, but he's going to be the guy. And I just feel like this is the perfect dart throw at the end of a draft. And so he is by far and away one of my top sleepers in drafts that I've noticed so far this year. At the moment, in the drafts I've been in, people aren't picking up on him, not yet. Then go ahead, Chris. Okay, I didn't know if no, I, sorry. Know, sorry. I want to. So <laughs> I, I agree there's value in Adam Trauman, but Adam Trauman I'm on the fence with. And it's partially mm. from personal experience. So like me and Aaron, for sure, were pounding the table for years for John Smith. I mean, it's part of the reason me and Aaron even th- that I'm even here because I started interacting with Aaron all the time about John <laughs> Smith on Twitter. Cause this dude would just post John Smith for life. And I'd be like, dude, I like, I'm going to tattoo him on my back. I love this guy. <laughs> Amazing. Last year I was soaking up all the John Smith, you know what I'm saying? Just, just absorbing him wherever I could. And mm-hmm. I had like a range of tight end last year of guys that basically I was trying to get in every draft. It was like John Smith, Mike Cassette, and one other guy that was in that range i can't remember who i'm basically stuck to one of those three guys and that actually worked pretty well tight end wasn't the weakness on my best ball teams from last year it was mostly whiffed on running backs just because you know darius guys was gone and i had him on so many teams because i just drafted them so early yeah like i lost every single one of those um and i had saquon barkley i drafted at the 102 in every best ball draft last year and just killed me um but with, with the late round tight end gang. So, you know, I'll, you know, I'll share with you guys real quick, you know, just real quick, my, my tight end tiers. So I have the elite tier of course is Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Darren Waller, George Kittle, the tight end one tier then would be TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Robert Tunyon. Those are mine. And now my upside, like low end tight end one, high end tight end twos would be Tyler Higby, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts, Adam Troutman, Anthony Ferkser, Logan Thomas, Jared Cook, Mike Gusecki, and then the rest. So with tight end, Adam Troutman, like seasonally take the shot and dynasty for sure get him. The only hesitation with him is, and what I'm kind of seeing with these late tight ends, because I was trying to figure out like, why did not more of these guys fire last year? There were so many options that should have fired and you could have made an argument for all of them. And why didn't they fire? You know, like John New Smith, it was workload and injury. Anthony Ferkser just crushed him so many weeks. Like, Mike Gusecki was a slot receiver, not a tight end. Like these guys just did fire. It was really just Logan Thomas and he didn't have a lot of red zone upside because they weren't getting to the red zone. So it's, it's, you got to kind of like take a step back. So with the saints, I looked up and I actually, the saints are super run heavy and you wouldn't think so, but they're a very run heavy team, especially in neutral game script, probably from winning a lot of games. Sure. But very run heavy. And that team is, has to be worse this year than it was last year. And with, um, you know, with, with the uncertainty of quarterback, not knowing what the tendencies are going to be and tight end, not really being a major part of the game plan since Jimmy Graham and Chad Hartman's only in his second year. It might, he might not be seasoned enough. 
you know, he's uh, Mike, like Mike Clay's power projections. He does. He only has him for 68 targets, you know, which I'm obviously not going to ride or die by projections, but it's a good starting place when making rankings. Mm. Um, and I, I have him above like Logan Thomas, who's projected for a hundred targets. Cause I don't think he's getting a hundred targets, but it, the, the problem is in the red zone, it's going to Kamara. It's going to Thomas. And Thomas is going to soak up so many between Th- Thomas and Kamara. There's 40 to 50% of targets gone. You have Marcus Callaway, Traquan Smith, you know, one of them could emerge. Troutman certainly is up to the pecking order. And the reason you would draft any tight end in best ball is because they have easy access to targets. So I agree. I would just say spice it up. I, I'm never locking in on late round tight ends anymore in best ball. In other formats of fantasy football, take your shot because you have transactions, especially mm-hmm. in like seasonal, you'll be able to draft an early guy and get a, a, a Troutman. And where he's going you can just take him everywhere. I mean, it, it's not like you're spending a lot, but just get the variance there. Sometimes take Troutman, sometimes take Ferkser, sometimes take Thomas, sometimes take Jared, Jared Cook. You know, he's going to be the number three option in on, on, on the Chargers. So there's a lot of these de facto number three option tight ends. And I'm going to say just like, just spice it up because they're all good. And if you can in the sixth round, get TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard. And then it doesn't matter which one you take as, as the second one. If you want to get Hawkinson Troutman in every best ball league, you're probably fine. You're probably fine. So like, I, I agree. Troutman definitely has potential. I just, it could be a year too soon. I'm going to say he's worth drafting. I'm not going to say just draft Troutman the way last year I was saying draft John U. Smith that no matter what murder your firstborn child, if you can get John U. Smith, if the dude snipes you on John U. Smith, track his IP, find him, you know, take him out. Like, no, like just get him if you can, if you pass on him for someone else, it's okay. Okay. Gotcha. So now <laughs> real quick, your sleepers, who are you into this year? Yeah, so, I mean, I've basically dug down my best ball sleepers. I've kind of briefly touched on each of them. It's Terrace Marshall, it's Denzel Mims, it's Brandon Cooks, it's Justin Fields. The only other one, really, that I didn't mention. Um, I mean, for tight end, it's Dallas Goddard. Just He's not even a late sleeper, but I love him. Or Robert Tanyan, just because he's falling for no reason. Even if it's a, even if it's, if it's it's another quarterback, the thing is, he's fe- he fell to his floor. Tanya now goes around Troutman and Ferkser and they're all the same type of tight end. They're the tight end with that de facto number two, number three role. And in Tanya's case, he's the number two. I mean, even without, even without Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah, he'll get less touchdowns, but he emerged, he emerged. Like, were you not drafting Darren Waller two years ago early after he emerged? Like just trust the process. Like um, the only other guy is Nico Collins. I in best ball in all formats. I love Nico Collins. Uh, You know, it's, it's a it's a solid proposition, but he's the guy you want to take with the last pick of your seasonal draft, the complete upside dart um, wide receiver. He's this year's Terry McLaurin from two years ago, where McLaurin was that 18th round guy that nobody knew about. With with these really late round rookies, you just want to look for the legitimate path to targets without any injuries and some talent. And Nico Collins probably has some talent. I'm not a scout. I don't go that hard into scouting rookies, but based on what I've heard, has some talent. And that depth chart is wide open. He has to fight right. with the corpse of Chris Conley. You know, Brandon Cooks is going to get his, but there's targets beyond him. There's no tight end. Jordan Atkins is nothing. Like, he's just there. He's going to get 40 targets. And then, what, you have Randall Cobb, who is cobbling his way on the field every week. Like, there's very little. There's very little. So, Nico Collins is going gonna, is gonna to have opportunity. And if he, if he gets 90 targets for being free – you've won. And then, you know, their running game is useless. David Johnson, Phil Lindsay doing nothing. And now 
Now, they're going to be losing every, every week. They're going to lose every week. They're not going to win a game, which means they're just going to be passing, passing, passing. Cooks is fine. Nico Collins is fine. My only inner conflict is on a lot of teams. I'm ending up with both. And a team like the Texans isn't going to produce two solid fantasy right. starters. So one has to fail. So it's a poor value bet in best ball. But like Nico Collins is just take take the risk. It's worth it at value. I, I can't I cannot get enough of him because it's the most open depth chart. I love it. I love it. Especially the Goddard one, the Goddard one, Aaron quickly. Cause I do, I do. I see him. I, he's just going super late. And I'm like, are people not fucking paying attention? But, it, it, but anyway, and what about you, Aaron? Anything to add at the end? Well, I think we've all been contributing to the fantasy football, uh, the world famous fantasy draft kit for Roto underworld. And I got to work with two great teams, the Las Vegas Raiders being one of them. <laughs> So I know that team in and out. And one of the things I learned is that player Nelson Aguilar was, I think would be perfect for best ball because he either gave you great weeks or these crappy weeks and you don't have to worry about starting them or not. He actually, he started 13 games last year. And for those 13 games, he had a top 13 wide receiver week. Currently, I believe his ADP was 132. So no, no, 137.8. So like you're getting him outside the top 12 rounds of this 12-team draft. He, he's on a new team, but with the Patriots, we don't know what they're doing really, but he is the wide receiver one there. Could he have a similar season where like he has three or four weeks of fantasy relevancy? Sure. And outside the top 12 rounds, I'm learning from Chris here. I think that that would be a great late round wide receiver pick. And then with the Raiders there, the Aguilar leaves, Brian Edwards is the guy that's going to fill that role because Brian Edwards had the role, got hurt. Aguilar took it while he was out and just never gave it up. So Brian Edwards, who has an ADP that's outside, where is he at? He is even later, 183.6. What, you can just about get him with your last round pick. Like He's playing the Nelson Aguilar role. And he, from an efficiency standpoint, he was, it was identical to Nelson Aguilar. He was better, slightly better in, in some areas and slightly worse in, in others. But like, I could see him having a Nelson Aguilar best ball season where he has three or four weeks where he just catches, I guess, a long touchdown pass because Darren Waller's not going to catch all of them. And there's no other significant receivers there. In best ball, we just want that one big play there from Brian Edwards. Hey, if you're picking them outside the top 180 players, I like them. That is, that is like, in my opinion, the exact right approach, the perfect logic when you're trying to break down these late round, you know, everything you said is very true. And again, it circles back to how many wide receiver one weeks can he have? And Brian mm-hmm. Edwards can have four wide receiver one weeks this year. And where you're getting him, that's a win. It's, you know, if he gets nine points a week, that does you nothing. But yeah, he can. And we were also talking about rookies like Terrace Marshall, who have a, or Nico Collins, who has a path to starting. Well, you can also say the same for forgotten veterans like Nelson Aguilar last year, who had a path to starting. And now it's Brian Edwards. Like it's, it's rookies and forgotten veterans that have roles to starting without injury. That's your late round targets. And if Brian Edwards is, is a bust, you made a smarter bet than taking like like an Adam Humphreys, who's already a bust. We know it. We don't like Brian Edwards at least has the potential. So I definitely love that pick. 100% right answer. Sweet. I got an A. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm I'm already learning just from listening to Chris here on our podcast, right? Picking up on some things. I like that. Can't wait for next year. Well, we'll have some debates. I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get into it. I'll bring the boxing gloves. <laughs> I'll bring my uh, my I heart Johnu T-shirt. That's a. <laughs> I fucking love it. And uh, it's, I love that I'm going to start calling him the EDG, the master of BB. The master of best ball, not basketball. There we go. There we go. Okay. So I developed a little bit of a game for us to play. And basically here's the rules. I'm going to go through trivia questions. You guys will take turns. They're worth points. If you get it right, of course. And if you get it right, you also choose a topic. Now, for topics, don't ask me why, because I, I really don't know how this, this happened. I was stoned. But we have animal topics, but you'll, you, you'll see. There's a, just wait until you pick the first one. It'll make some sort of sense. Okay, so it'll make some sense once we get there. And however... Should you get the trivia question wrong, you will have to do a punishment. If you can't do the punishment, minus a point from your score. So winner, of course, with the most points. That's how we're going to do things. And we're going to try and get through. There's six topics. We're going to try and get through all the animals if we can. And so let's get it going. Let's just get this sucker rolling. And of course, our guest is going to go first. EDG, we start off. Who was Mr. Irrelevant in the 2021 NFL draft? Oh, my God. I have no idea. <laughs> That's how irrelevant he was. You think I made it to the seventh round? No. I don't know. People just tend to, to know. I sometimes do. Uh, well, I knew it when it was Justin Watson, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't know it this year till I looked it up. But, hey, there you go. So punishment then you went swimming in the ocean on an inflatable seal raft shark bite to make sure you're alert the medics would like you to spell indomitian sue the domican sue oof it's like n d a m o k u n g s u h uh almost <laughs> you flip you need to flip the o in the u it was uh. o or U-K-O-N-G. So, man, I said, man, that's a rough stuff. Usually I like to try and start the guests off right, but I guess Mr. Irrelevant was a terrible question I to go with. terrible at trivia. <laughs> I know Jamar Jefferson was close to that, but he wasn't the last one. Who who was it? You have to, you got to let us know now. Linebacker Grant Stewart. Oh. Well, I, yeah, I, I heard it. Politics. I just didn't remember it. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered it either. Okay. Aaron, to you next. Oh, boy. (laughs) What is Kirk Cousins' jersey number multiplied by Adam Thielen's jersey number? Uh, Let's see. 152? Correct. Correct. See, I should have had Aaron go for it. Maybe that's why I how I was supposed to do it in my head. See, I usually like to make things tough on Aaron around here. And there's always seems to be something fucking that up. 
Ray Ray kind of fucked it up himself last week. And this week it's me. That's okay. That's okay. So Aaron, very good. That question is three points. You get three points and you must pick. Well, let me write your points first. Think about an animal real quick. Hold on. on, on. Plus if anything, Aaron's just earning his way back into the conversation. I spoke so much. (laughs) This is him clawing and fighting for some air time. That's right. That's right. Well, you should know in earlier podcasts, I would, we would finish and I'd apologize to Ryan because I'd be like, man, I'm so sorry. I like dominated that conversation. So it's actually, it's, it's a nice little change here. Yeah, he probably feels like I do. I, I was like, that to me. And I was like, dude, I was talking by myself before you. Like, like this is nice. So, so that's why we like having guests is each one of us. Ryan thought he, he talked too much because he had the entire podcast to himself. And then I talked too much. And so now we just let the guests talk too much. It's- I know. I really try and calm down my talking too much. But, uh, but Aaron, pick let's an see. animal. Uh, let's go with the, the frog there. Okay, this category is titled Froggers, and it is Teams to Make a Leap in 2021. Aaron, please go first. I think one team, it it actually has a sleeper, of uh, one of Chris's best ball sleepers on it. That's Carolina Panthers. I like what they're doing there. Like, they were a lot better last year than we all thought. Like I, there were some people that were like, that's a two win or three win team. And I want to say they finished with five wins. And one of the things that stood out to me is Warren Sharp, just excellent person to, to follow and have your notifications on for Twitter. He, he had this tweet that I'm going to summarize in 2020, they had seven games, which led the NFL where they started a drive down one touchdown with under six minutes remaining. They had nine total drives in those seven games, and it resulted in zero points. Like so, that five and eleven record was super fluky because they were in like all of those seven games that they all lost. They were in it. So five and four outside those games, and shoot, if they won just three of those games, they're eight and eight already. You look at the offseason that they've done. They've uh, who was the the cornerback they got the the South Carolina. Uh, something horn jc horn they got jc horn to address one of their needs at cornerback they signed a couple of linebackers and they they'd invested heavy draft capital in the defensive line and then on offense i like terrace marshall that that profile that stands out the guy i don't think he got enough recognition enough talk about being the number two guy up besides jamar chase like outside of jamar chase terrace marshall should have been in that conversation so, you know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall joining that duo there. Darnold, I don't like him, but you hit a valid point of Teddy Bridgewater was horrible last year, and he still kept that offense going. Now Christian McCaffrey back from about four separate injuries there. If he's healthy, if he can play at, at all, the offense has improved significantly. Terrace Marshall is better, a better prospect than Curtis Marshall. Did I say that right? Terrace Marshall, a better prospect than Curtis Samuel. I didn't say it right. And Christian McCaffrey back. Uh, offensive line was about the only thing they could have addressed a little bit more, but they did get the is it Notre Dame, no, BYU offensive lineman, Brady Christensen, who's an athletic guy. Maybe it pans out at left tackle, but still, I like what they did. Like they added these pieces here that just fits perfectly with what, they, what they're doing there excellent coach there matt rule 
that role everywhere he's gone you go back and you look at what he's done in college everywhere that he goes he builds a winner um most impressively i think is baylor where he he inherited just program that was just reeling from all the the sexual assault allegations from, from their teams and, and he turned them around pretty quick so i i believe in what matt rule is building there I, I don't get into coach talk like coaches are there for to set the environment and to just build the foundation what he did in this first season i know it's only five wins but i liked what carolina did the warren sharp quote i i didn't realize i hadn't realized how close Carolina had been in almost half their games. So they could have been 11 and five and they could have been this upstart team uh, briefly on two other teams, the chargers, that's the team to watch out. That is, we didn't mention it with Julio Jones, but Julio Jones could go to Los Angeles. Makes sense. You got Herbert rookie contract. You can fit Julio's contract in for the, for this season, two more seasons. By the time Julio's done, it's time to extend Herbert. That makes that makes a lot of sense. They improved the offensive line as well, and that that was one of the major weaknesses. Justin Herbert, his protection rate was was seventy nine. It was number thirty four on Player Profiler. So, addressing offensive line, the left tackle blindside for Justin Herbert, I like that. They were already a seven win team last year, and they won their final four games. They were starting to connect a little bit more. There's a new coaching staff, and that's actually got to be a positive. Anthony Lynn is garbage there as a head coach ah that Raiders game had me fuming on Monday was it Thursday night football and then Miami Dolphins just what they've been doing for three years now they just spot on do they always get the right value pick always the Jalen Waddle at at pick six I'm like "Mm, really Waddle like that's what you wanted to end up with but they once again addressed offensive line second round and on on defense there now with this being the third year that front office head coach uh combination that's there you're starting to see that all these picks that they've made are now their starters like there there was they got the the houston texans linebacker and that was about the only veteran that they brought in to be a starter everyone else's guys they have drafted they have built this team they have focused focused on the draft they trade down acquire future picks they they're they're smart they know that they could stay at their picks, but they know that they're not going to be the smartest person in the room always. So, you know, why, why not trade down, get more shots at the draft board. And, and this year Tua's has actually got weapons, legit weapons and Will Fuller and, and Jalen Waddle with those guys could potentially be on the outside. I like the speed. Jacecki still a weapon, a kind of an uncertain future, but Jacecki is a guy that that started to develop a little bit of chemistry with Tua at the end of the at the end of the season, and then a guy that flashed a little bit that I like in the slot is Lynn Bowden. I know they've got Devonte Parker as well, but Lynn Bowden is a guy that's that can make some noise. He he had a seven catch game against Kansas City, I believe, and, and Bowden there is a great article I'll send it to you guys uh, off off air that talks about that weird situation where he got drafted by the Raiders, the 80th pick, it got traded like before what, when the preseason would have been, there was a just great story, some insight into that. And it shows you just how trash of an organization the Raiders are. And I've already pissed off the fan base on Twitter. So I don't, I don't mind saying that the Raiders organization is trash, but how do you give up on a guy? Like for one, one thing that they didn't seem to research at all, but Bowden, 
nice little weapon there that fits that wide receiver four role. So love the Dolphins. Those are my three teams that are going to take the lead. Dolphins, Chargers, Panthers. Mr. EDG. So I, uh, as I actually write the power rankings for player profiler, I, I convinced Matt to let me come up with that. I did it last year. I, I do it this Sweet. year. I did it pre-draft. I'm currently working on the camp version. Uh, Dolphins and Chargers are mine. Are Yeah, I agree. Dolphins and Chargers. I mean, just coaching staff, everything. It's one of those rare instances like the Browns where get rid of Freddie Kitchens, bring in a real coach, immediately better, um, even though turnover is generally not good. So we don't have to go in anymore on them. You hit all the, all the points. The only thing I'll say is before you get people too excited on Lynn Bowden, Mike Gusecki's the slot receiver and Durham Smythe is the tight end in Miami. So just Lynn Bowden's a backup at best. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I mean, it's those two teams. I have a hard time, though, saying Miami Dolphins is going to make the leap because they were a 10 and 6 team. <laughs> they just have to maintain the leap. You know, if, if they're playing Frogger, they already made it 80% up the level because we're going right. So it's there's one last leap, you know. It's can Tua be good, and they gave him the weapons to be good. I believe in him. Tank for Tua was a thing. I believe in Tua. We don't have to go any further. <laughs> okay. Next trivia question for Mr. EDG. How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Uh, is this like a trick question? Should I should I say five because technically your thumb, or is it just four? <laughs> right, four. There you go. There we go. No it, trick question. It's only a trick question oh, when I have to answer that. Listen, one. listen. <laughs> if we're playing baseball, Ryan just bought out the the, the little stand for the ball. This is a t-ball. My God. <laughs> All right, we have that. That question was worth six points. That's right. <laughs> so score of six to three so far. <clears throat> All right, so now, which would you like to go with, my friend? I'm going to say sloths. All right. Just because I think I know which one this might be. (laughs) (laughs) Because Frogger theme was making a leap. Yes. Favorite sleepers. Oh, okay. I was was off. All right, so I actually... (laughs) We've talked a lot about sleepers. I took this one as a as as an opportunity to go like deep sleepers. Like I'm talking dudes that are off the map, sleeping beauty. They need true love's kiss, and you know I've been chapping my lips. So let's go, um, deep sleepers. Tamori and Terry. I swear to God, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this guy. I love Tamori and Terry. His player profile is sick. He, I actually like I never look at like scouts who say stuff, but I actually YouTube a bunch of different scouts and their opinion on Tamori and Terry. And this isn't a comp, just similarities to what they said about DK Metcalf, where it's like limited route tree, but wins on explosive playmaking. Seems like the kind of guy who, you know, can maybe be like that Des Bryant role. And in Seattle, I mean, it's Dwayne Eskridge, Dwayne Eskridge, Dwayne Eskridge. They brought in Dwayne Eskridge because they came out week 10 last year. And DK Metcalf said, yeah, we've been losing games because teams just figured out our offensive game plan. It's too simple. So they brought in guys like Gerald Everett and Dwayne Eskridge for like trick plays and stuff. You know, little go routes, flanker routes, like things that Lockett and Metcalf weren't doing. But Tamori and Terry to me is like a true handcuff wide receiver. If DK Metcalf goes down. He's the outside guy. You know, Tyler Lockett is the slot guy, the whatever. He has his role. But if you lose DK Metcalf, it's just possible to more and Terry figures out. But we're talking like a complete dart throw. The other guys I, I like were Jacoby Myers, who we, we mentioned. Like, 
I think I you were talking about Nelson Aguilar, Aaron. I thought you were going to say he was your sleeper, and I was going to have to bring out fighting words because I hate Nelson Aguilar in New England. It's just a terrible fit. He's going to be a decoy. He's going to be Sammy Watkins. Jacoby Myers legitimately could see 100 targets. So, like, Jacoby Myers all day at his value. And my other, like, deep, deep, deep sleeper, I'm not drafting him in seasonal leagues or best ball, but in Dynasty, I'm acquiring this dude. Like, I'm sending fourth-round picks out for this guy. I want Wayne Galman. And I'm going to throw up later when we get off the stream. Don't worry. Like, I'll throw up a few times for saying that. I love Wayne Galman. Probably because I own Saquon. I So, last year, I keep talking about Saquon last year. Not only did I have him in all my best ball leagues, my one high-stakes redraft league, I drafted 102, I had Saquon. And I traded away Derrick Henry and Julio Jones for Saquon in my biggest dynasty league. So, I had Wayne Galman, of course. Wayne Galman, every time he stepped on the field for Saquon the last two years, was an RB1 that week. Like, most of the times, at least. Like, the dude is like the definition of a replacement level running back. And he's in San Francisco, the one place where they burn and churn through running backs like firewood, like they're just kindling wood. Like they lose a running back every four weeks. Matt talks about it at nauseum on the Roto on, on Underworld show, how to be a running back in that system. You just have to be you know, bold and make a cut and you're going to get hurt. He'll probably play at some point. He'll have four weeks where he's an RB1. He's not going to like win you anything. He's not going to be great. But if you're playing Dynasty and you're rostering Galman now, and I'm not good at Dynasty, so like you guys are like the Dynasty guys, but my belief, like, if it's week nine, Galman's now the starter. He has an uh, RB1 week. Someone will trade you like a second round pick for him. Like someone, I traded a second round pick for him last year in the Dynasty League because he did exactly that. So like, just, just get him. He's, he's like a great sleeper. He's in the right spot. And with Jeff Wilson, the only risk before was he would get cut. But Jeff Wilson's hurt. He's there. He's there to stay. He's Wayne Galman. I love him. I love it. I love it. Aaron, what about you? So I took sleepers as like people are sleeping on these people. I didn't go that deep. I like that though, because I'm the type of person that's following depth charts. And when you talked about Jacoby Myers, like Jacoby Myers last year, like I was, I don't do this for a lot of players. I was watching like YouTube clips on him. And I was like, this guy, I, I'm not a film grinder, but I was like, this guy's making plays. Like this guy, it, there's all this hype from the new England Patriots for him. So I, I thought I want to see him in a preseason game and then I'll, I'll pick him up. I just want to see what he does. Then he goes and scores two touchdowns and <laughs> there went my chance to get him for free in, in a dynasty league. Now, my sleepers, first one I got is Miles Gaskin because this is like a Miles Gaskin podcast here. And it's for redraft because right now I pulled up his ADP. He was RB24 in PPR leagues. Now, Miles Gaskin last year, we spent the entire offseason going, the Dolphins are going to bring someone in. They almost brought in Javante Williams. So I know that they do want to bring someone else in. But at the end of the day, the only guys they brought in was Malcolm Brown, who is just just a guy, just a guy to do the special teams work. And he'll get coaches will love his effort and they will give him some workload in some games. And they brought in Jared Dokes, who does have some athleticism and actual size. But as far as I'm concerned, Miles Gaskin, I don't see a threat in his workload last year, which last year. He only played in 10 games. He did have an MCL sprain that cost him about four games, and he was banged up with some other injuries as well. In 10 games, he averaged 16.4 points per game in PPR leagues. That was that was number 10. And also, it, 
they were feeding him the ball. He was number nine in weighted opportunities per game. And of the running backs, oh, no, 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 sorry. He was 10 in weighted opportunities per game. There was nine running backs that had more per game. And when you fast forward to this offseason, of the nine running backs that had that average more weighted opportunities per game, six of them are currently being drafted inside the top 10 running backs in fantasy. The, the other three, there's Mixon right outside. Joe Mixon was number 14. David Montgomery, this kind of shocked me that he's not higher. Not that I'm a big fan, but David Montgomery's 19. I would have thought people would still have him pumped up way higher. And then James Robinson is still RB20. Like, Miles Gaskin's RB24. I know. I see that. I see that. Look, the, the disrespect for Miles Gaskin is, is real. And as I hit on it, no significant addition to that backfield. Uh, when he came back from his MCL injury, he immediately um, claimed his workhorse role back from, Sal, uh, was it Salvan Ahmed? Um, he finished his RB22 in eight of the 10 games they played last year. When he came back from injury, actually, after week four, his worst finish for the week was RB17. Like you, he was a plug and play. You put him in there, he was going to get you at least RB2 performances. He had two top 10 performances in, in three games prior to his injury. So the, the guy was putting up what he did in the receiving game was, was impressive, but he was getting volume. And yes, he might not be built to handle as heavy of a volume, but his role as as a pass catcher yeah like i i don't know why people people are sleeping on him um rb24 that's an insult uh, the the other guy and, and maybe it's because there's been recent news uh with him but antonio brown he's currently wide receiver 43 right behind his cousin marquise brown last season points per game 14.6 that was number 23 in ppr and, and there were some good things he got better as the season went along which made sense because he joined Tampa Bay kind of late. So still had to kind of build some chemistry there. He finished with, with a 20.1% hog rate. That was number two amongst wide receivers. So when he was on the field, Brady was looking his way. He averaged 2.07 yards per route run. That's a stat I love. You talked about Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers was one of 27 receivers with Antonio Brown being one of the other ones that averaged over two yards per route run. Like that stat, when you go and look at these 27 wide receivers, most of those guys were your top 24 uh, wide receivers. Like there's a strong correlation there with that stat of yards per route run and fantasy success and fantasy points per route run. He averaged 0.5. That was number 12. Like to put it bluntly, when Antonio Brown, when he, got into, I don't want to say like game shape, but like once he adjusted to Tampa Bay and new team and not having an off season, man, he, he was productive, even playing alongside Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And it's, Mike Evans worries me in redraft because he's either going to bet and better for best ball. He's either going to give you two touchdowns uh, or he's going to give you those. <laughs> he had a couple of games of like one catch for one yard, two catches for two yards. Tony Brown, I'm not, I'm not concerned with when he's on the field, he becomes a focal point for Tom Brady and wide receiver 43. You're not going to have like, look at all the wide receivers after the top 36. None of them have Antonio Brown ceiling there. Yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the cheapest guy in the consolidated target share of Tampa Bay, which is a prolific right. offense. 
that led the league in pass attempts last year. For me, it starts and ends there. All those other stats are beautiful. Love them. Don't need them. Cheapest guy, consolidated target share. I love it as well. I just have one very deep, deep, deep sleeper. Dynasty leagues mainly. Briley Moore, tight end of the Tennessee Titans. Wrote about him and uh, in my undrafted rookies piece. And this guy... Aside from the agility score, the rest of his workout metrics, 67th percentile and above, 90th percentile burst score. He has a college dominator in the 71st percentile, college yards perception in the 74th, breakout age in the 85th. A lot to like about this guy. Um, so I'm intrigued because there's no Johnny Smith. There's Anthony Ferkser and a bunch of blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, obviously, undrafted guy, he's going to have to really stand out to make the team with all the, the other junk going on there. So, But it is possible because it is a lot of blah, 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 as I said. So, <clears throat> I'm stashing him because if he does make the cut, even if he can hang on the practice squad, I, I had Adam Thielen for a couple of years on a taxi squad. When I think he spent his very first, his rookie year on the Vikings practice squad, if I remember right. And I was into Thielen early, mainly it just because I was a Vikings fan. And I was like, hey, they got a white guy receiver. Let's check him out. <laughs> that was a long time ago. So, but, uh, so I, I was on the Thielen early, but it, before I really knew why, because I, I was a long time before player profiler and things like that. But so these, those are the kinds of guys I look at look for and and you know i really like what i see with his profile so that's what i got i wasn't going to add anything on as like the host of the game but with the sleepers i had to say something about briley moore i want everybody maybe not everybody because then everybody would know about him so never mind i take that back erase everything <laughs> i from i just said from your memory just forget about it okay here's the deal we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back knock out the rest of this game and then adios, I'm out of here. Does that sound good to you fellas? Sounds good to Sounds me. Good. All righty. We'll be right back. Okay, okay, we are back. We are back and we're moving on. I believe, I believe the next trivia question is for Aaron. Let's do it. Yep. Okay. <sighs> what was the team with the most vacated targets? Detroit Lions? Yes, correct. That is worth five points. See, I'm being a little bit nicer. Aaron. There we go. All right. Let's do the monkey. All right. <laughs> oh, Potential I see. roster climbers. <laughs> Potential roster climbers. Get us Got going, it. Aaron. I want to get one of my favorites here. Tennessee Titans. That wide receiver core is a mess. It's wide open. I know everyone likes Josh Reynolds, but the contract does not guarantee him a starting role. Nick Westbrook, second-year receiver there. For people not familiar with him, he was actually having an a impressive uh, collegiate career. 20% target share of sophomore season, tore his ACL, really messed things up. He, he's joined the team as an undrafted free agent. 
It's a second season there. The stat I love is that from week 10, he saw five targets. He only ran 15 routes. That means his target rate was 33%. Devontae Adams led the NFL with a 32.6% target rate. I know it's small scale for Nick Westbrook, but clearly when he was on the field, they wanted to get him involved. And if you're playing dynasty, he's free. Like I guarantee you can go pick him up. Why not? He's like 6'3", 216 pounds, and no one's talking about him. And he has a clear path to – right now, I want to say he's actually the, the starting outside receiver because Josh Reynolds is still got to earn that starting position. Nick Westbrook at least knows the offense. That's my potential roster climber, starting from the bottom. So, I mean, before I give mine, uh, Aaron said that people like Josh Reynolds. You show me someone that likes Josh Reynolds, I'll show you someone with bad taste because I don't right. think anybody likes Josh Reynolds. But when I see a ranked here, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because I'm like, you didn't do anything with the Rams. Why are people acting as if, like, he's going to be so great in Tennessee? So. No, he's, he's going to be awful. Um, It's going to be bad. I, I, we basically hit out all my Denzel Mims, Nico Collins, all these guys. I – I think DJ Dallas has some potential if you think he can carve out a role. Um, I like Jonathan Adams super, super deep in Detroit behind Amon Rasse Brown. Sage Surratt, too. I mean, any of those guys, someone's going to emerge. The one that I'm really – that I like beyond just deep, deep, who I am putting on the back end of some best ball rosters, might draft in some seasonal leagues, definitely have him in dynasties, Josh Palmer on the Chargers, simply because the Chargers are the light version of the Chiefs. They've embodied the Chiefs. They have the prolific young quarterback, the line, everything. A lot of offense, no no defense, all that. The only difference is their Tyree Kill is a slot receiver, and their Travis Kelsey is named Jared Cook, and he's old. So there's room. I like Mike Williams. I think he's a value this year. But there's room for a three. It's not Guyton. It's not Tyron Johnson. Take the shot on Josh Palmer. I don't even care about his, his prospect profile. He's a third-round pick, right? Like, take the shot. He might get 80 targets. If he does, you win. It's that simple. I love it. I love it all. And honestly, I'm going to throw in just real quick, Olamide Zacchaeus. And it's someone the pod, Podfathers hyped up recently. It's someone I've been talking about for a couple. Actually, my very first player profiler article was Hidden Gems, Olamide Zacchaeus. <laughs> will he finally make me look like a genius? Maybe. Maybe. We will see. There's going to be some targets to go around. I'm just saying. Just saying. So, next trivia question. This is for Chris. What day of the week is Christmas on this year? Oh, am I allowed to look at a calendar? Sure. I'll turn a blind eye. Oh, we're turning blind eyes. <laughs> this sounds like a this sounds like a fair game. What do you speak of, sir? I don't speak uh, of anything. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Saturday. That is correct. Wow. What a crazy guess. That, that is a crazy guess. If it was Aaron, I probably would accuse him of cheating and looking at a calendar. Good thing it wasn't his question. All right, let's go ahead and pick another topic. Here we go. All right. Um, let's go with dinosaurs. Only because we know that one of those UFOs is the reason they're gone. So it ties back into <laughs> UFOs. <laughs> okay, dinosaurs. Veteran players on the verge of becoming extinct. Yeah, so I mean, the obvious one is Melvin Gordon. Love the dude. Great player. It's Javante Williams season. Just draft Javante Williams. Wherever you're drafting Melvin Gordon, you spent too much. 
Um, David Johnson, I mean, you can still draft him. If you have no other Texans, draft David Johnson. Sure, he'll, like, get 160 points. I don't care. If you have any other Texans, why do you hate yourself? It's not going to happen. And then, like, the only other one really is, like, Sony Michelle. Uh, Patriots are going to be super run heavy, and the two tight end set is for real with Hunter and Janu, and I actually love that backfield for running value, but it's all going to Damian Harris. I actually love Damian Harris. Sony Michelle is dust. He has the knees of Todd Gurley and the talent of David Montgomery, and that's a bad mix. So, like, pass on Sony Michelle, pass on Melvin Gordon, pass on David Johnson. These guys are more or less dust. Aaron. And I've got one I really want to hit on that. I don't see a lot of people talk about since the draft going into the NFL draft. There was a lot of trade rumors for Anthony Miller. Apparently the bears had soured on him. I was hearing some things about maturity concerns type of guy that would always be late for practice. It was like, Oh, okay. So this is why he's out the door. Cause they did not make sense based on what he did his, his rookie season, the, his talent profile going into Chicago. Now, a couple of things happened during the draft. In particular, there was a player they drafted, Daz Newsom. Daz Newsom is, a, I learned this recently, a converted cornerback to wide receiver. He plays solely in the slot. Anthony Miller last year played 490 snaps in the slot. That was number nine in the NFL. The Bears have already drafted their replacement for Anthony Miller. He, he's going to be out the door sooner rather than later. And, and if not, he's lost his job to a, what, six-round rookie? So poor Anthony Miller. I don't know where he's going to go, but not Chicago. Such high hopes for him at one point, man. What a bummer. Okay, Aaron, next trivia question. Oh, by the way, that last one for you, Chris, uh, was 10 points. Thank you, thank you. We got to add those 10 points. It's like a Christmas miracle. Oh, my God. Well, it's excellent work by you. Excellent guess. So we, we added a few points there. Okay, Aaron. What is the name of the original bartender on the TV show Cheers? Oh, I don't know my Cheers. Uh, we're going to say Phil. That's a is shame. it Phil? No, it's not <laughs> Phil. <laughs> bartender Phil. That, that sounded familiar, but. Uh... Right. Is Coach, actually, is his name. Is Coach. Oh. This is before Woody. Woody Harrelson, who was was a better bartender, but you got to love coach. You got to love coach. So that probably speaks to my age. Your punishment, Aaron. Hands up. A bear has you at gunpoint. He wants your wallet. He also wants you to spell OCU Minora, or he's taking your fucking car too. So. OCU Minora. Oh, uh, O-S-I-Y-U-M-E-N-A-R-A. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to subtract well, a point, Aaron. This it just starts just at U, right? <laughs> is it, it just does U-M-E-N? start with you, yes. oh! Human Yora. It's like U-M-E-N-Y-O-R-I, I think. Whoops. Y-I-O. I like combined the first and last name. I was intimidated by the bear and I couldn't think. And if it was a math problem, I'd be good. That bear took your car too, bro. Okay. All right. Next one. Next one for uh where's my card? Okay. Chris. Batman or Superman? In what sense? 
greater superhero, Batman or Superman? Superman wins the fight. Batman's the better symbols of a superhero. Perfect answer. That's 15 <laughs> fucking points. Great job, Chris. And our dead with the straight face. Pulling well, my hair out here. <laughs> oh, so you have no hair, sir. Is, oh, the hits keep rolling. Or did I, I did I miss you pulling on your beard? I might have missed that. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I guess we're going with um, chameleons. All righty. Chameleons overcoming mainstream narratives to uncover fantasy value. Yeah, so this is one I care deeply about. I um the key to gauging what the masses are saying is trying to like they always say like news and noise is the thing Matthew Berry show says like like what where are people reacting? Where are people underreacting? And how do we tell the difference between where the masses are right, where the masses are wrong? So a perfect example, I'm sure use the one is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the, the narrative this year is just Steelers are dust, avoid the Steelers, Ben can't throw, this and that. They're going to be a bad team. They're not going to be a bad team. I have them ranked right at like 10 or 11 in my power rankings because, yeah, Ben can't throw and they don't have an offensive line, but they're still going to win. They're still going to have a winning record. I mean, Mike Tomlin has had winning records for the last 19 years. Essentially. And the perfect example of this is like, look at any team with Phil Rivers or Drew Brees the last couple of years. Like the problem with Drew Brees, and I was the first person who wanted him out. I wanted Big Ben to retire. I'm happy Phil Rivers is gone. I love these guys, all Hall of Famers. The problem is they just can't win playoff games. But there's a difference between winning in January and winning in October. And the experience a quarterback brings to a weekly game helps you in the game like there's all those reports of how like tom brady comes with his own dossier of your individual cornerback lineup if you're the seventh slot receiver on the roster because he's ready for every situation like big ben brings that drew Brees brings that look at the difference between the saints with breeze and without breeze like they're the exception because like it was a couple games and they won them but like the perfect example is also the steelers two years ago no big ben they went eight and eight the next year literally nothing changed win the division like a quarterback is worth five season wins if you're a gambler a running back is worth half a win. Like you go from big Ben to most other quarterbacks, you're losing four or five games, overcome the narrative, understand this is a team that's thrown 600 plus passes the last three years, continue to draft their wide receivers, go after Najee Harris. Don't worry about the narrative that Ben can't throw. That's just nonsense. Ben being able to throw is not the indicator of fantasy points, even though that sounds ludicrous because he's throwing the ball. Like it's fine. Big Ben's a hall of fame quarterback overcome the mainstream narrative and draft Steelers players at value. I think you're on mute, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Aaron. <laughs> and for me, one of my favorite ones is actually in the same division uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. They draft Jamar Chase, and everyone is freaking out. This this applies to both of the incumbent starters there in T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. But Tyler Boyd in particular seems to get a bigger hit. And people go, they, they compare teams uh, equally, and that's just not the case. So what I mean by that is the Bengals are going to pass a lot, and they stay in 11 personnel the most out of, out of all the teams. That's what Zach Taylor does. Are we surprised? Because he comes um, because he comes from the Rams. That's what they did. They had with Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and uh, Robert Woods all those years. And then so Zach Taylor comes over to the Bengals, and they run three wide receiver sets. 
they don't have a tight end of consequence. Like Drew Sample, a CJ Uzuma that coming back from an Achilles. Like tight end's not a big part of their offense, especially with the talent they have there. Tyler Boyd's ADP on underdog has, has gone down almost five spots. And it's shocking to me because you look at what he did with Joe Burrow and you look at what Joe Burrow did in at, at LSU that, that final year, like he loves the slot receivers and it showed with Tyler Boyd in the 10 games that, that Joe Burrow played before he tore his ACL, Tyler Boyd averaged 14.76 points per game in PPR that, and to put that in perspective, Mari Cooper, Averaged 14.6 on the entire season and finished as wide receiver 22 in PPR. And people will go, but Chase is there. So that's going to affect Boyd. But is it? AJ Green vacated 102 targets. So people have to put some context here. The Bengals aren't your typical team. They pass a lot and they have the, they, they will play from behind, which is why they're going to be passing a lot. And they, they had three wide receivers that had a hundred targets last year and AJ green did not deserve a hundred targets. Like how many targets do we expect Jamar chase to get Boyd is going to be perfectly fine. Stop fading him. I love getting Tyler Boyd. I had him in my most recent best ball draft. I also, I also participated in the battle zero 2021 as a zero wide receiver drafter. So I was thrilled that the first wide receiver I was allowed to take after the first six rounds of a 14 team league that I drafted Tyler Boyd, let that be my wide receiver one. And I paired him up with Joe Burrow and I love it. So we got to stop fading these, these narratives here about new players coming in and direct directly affecting other players. We have to look at the whole story here. You know, what else happened? You know, AJ green, he was a nothing, but that's still 102 targets that the rookie wide receiver can have. Yeah, you're drafting Boyd at his floor and Chase at his ceiling. And in something like mm-hmm. best ball, there's easy, easy by the value. But and and again, back to the cheapest guy in a consolidated target share. It's gonna be those three guys. Boyd's the cheapest. Once again, Aaron's spot on. <laughs> I actually have Chris from my best ball teams. <laughs> I have I have I have Aaron provide me tight end sleepers for the last five years. He sends me a manila envelope in 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 the mail embroidered and all it says is John U. Smith. So it's a great John, time. John U era every day. It's still alive somehow. I don't know. I don't every know how year. it's gonna work, but it's it's still gonna happen in New England. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never so know. Where he's being drafted, I'll still draft John U. Smith. Right. Okay. Aaron. Who was QB1 in fantasy football last season? Well, I want to go with uh, – he didn't play enough games, but in terms of points per game or total points? I guess I was looking at total points probably. Oh. Well, I'm a homer, and I know I'll be wrong, but Dak Prescott, who I said was going to be QB1 last year, if he had played a full season – he averaged more fantasy points than any other quarterback, just only playing five games. I know I'm wrong, but Dak, I did it for you. <laughs> it, it was, was it, wasn't it Josh Allen or my? Yes, wrong? it was Josh Allen. Okay, that's what I thought. Making sure I'm watching the right league. I've been watching soccer this whole <laughs> time. You know I thought you said football. <laughs> no, you jumped in, got the answer right. You know what? We're going to go ahead and give you the last topic to start with the lemmings. <sighs> I don't want to have to punish you, but no, no, no. We're going to punish Aaron first. We're going to, let me see which one is my favorite. Hmm. Hmm. 
There's a whole list of punishments. For there is a whole <laughs> list of punishments. Oh, I'll be saving <laughs> some of these for other episodes, Aaron. You just trust me. There's oh, no shaving see. of the beard. This is all I got. <laughs> you kick a football into a hornet's nest. Run. While running, you don't have to actually run. While running, <laughs> who set the fastest 40 time at the NFL Combine in history? The history, yeah. Was that, was it me, Cole Hartman? Did he set? If not, he was number two. Not I Hartman. I had John Ross. Was it Hartman? Oh, you're, you're right. You're that or did Ruggs beat it? I don't know. It, it might have been John. It might still be John Unless Ross. Unless I looked at an old list, I thought it, he he got like it was Chris Close. Johnson forever, and then John Ross got like I want to say like point two faster than like Chris Johnson. I forgot about Ross. Oh my gosh, what could have been John Ross? <laughs> oh, he's on the Giants now, baby. I know, I know. <laughs> Which why did they draft Kadarius Tony? They're the same. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> Lemmings. Teams to fall off of a cliff in 2021. Chris, see what you did there. Yeah. (laughs) Again, doing the power rankings, I've been really thinking about these. So I just have two. I'll be quick. I mean, the Saints to me are just the only way I'm wrong is if Jamie Swinston ends up being a good quarterback. I just don't think so. And and again, even if they play really well, one of those two, they're not Drew Brees. And when I think of teams that are good or bad for a year, I think of win totals. Your win total, like obviously win totals isn't the full indicator, but like when you're trying to project power rankings, it's win totals. And the Saints win total is going to hover around 500. And that's a fall off from a team that's been like the first in the league for five years. And put it this way, you're running a Fortune 500 company, okay? You're the CEO your president retires, okay? Half of your top performing regional managers leave your company for other teams. Now, of their squads that are have all been very effective, half of the top performers in each of those teams, you had to let go for budgetary reasons. And you brought nobody new into your company. Yeah, will your company at some point the next year or a couple quarters down return its original profits that it's had? Probably. But for the next quarter, you're going to see a dip in productivity and in profits. The Saints had lost, you know, their franchise quarterback, Janoris Jenkins, Quan Alexander, tight ends coach Dan Campbell, the QB coach Joe Lombardi, you know, Malcolm Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankings, Alex Anzalone, Josh Hill, Justin Hardy, and those are just the guys that I wrote down, and they bought in nobody. So, like, yeah, they still have the O-line. It's going strong. They still have their alpha talent on both sides of the ball. Yes, but like they lost their depth. They lost their quarterback. They're not going to win as many games. They're a 500 team. I'm only proven wrong if Jamie's Winston is lights out and LASIK surgery apparently cures interceptions. Um, the other one is like everyone agrees with me. I don't think anyone thinks the Raiders are going to be good, but here's why we know for sure the Raiders are going to be bad. And any skeptics who are looking at their – eight and eight record from last year and the seven and nine record from the year before. Like it's not happening. They're going to, I have them as the number 31 team. And if Deshaun Watson plays this year, even eight games, the, the Texans go from 32 to, to higher and the Raiders become the worst team in, in the league, in my opinion. And it, it's mostly just going to be like, I mean, first off, gutting your offensive line is a quick way to start losing games. 
They got rid of their best receiver. Like why they, you know, terror four years of terrible drafting. I mean, just very little value drafting four safeties this year. Like we can go on and on about the poor organizational decisions, but you know, John Gruden's a motivator. He's a fine coach. He's a personality, but in 2018, they had a minus 177 scoring differential and went four and 12. 2019, it got a little bit better. Minus 106 scoring differential went seven and nine, which like you got really lucky. You shouldn't be that that many wins. And last year it was minus 44. They went eight and eight. But that team that they slowly built over three years, they just completely gutted. And based on strength of uh, sh- uh, strength of schedule, based on Vegas win totals for this year, the Raiders literally have the most difficult schedule in the, in, in the league based on that metric, which is a good indicator, you know, Vegas win totals for strength of schedule, which it doesn't really help you determine like fantasy, but for like win totals, I mean, everything's against them and it's time statistically that they regress to that point differential. Four wins would be generous. I I give them two tops. Like it's done for the Raiders. Aaron. love it. (laughs) First off, I just want to say writing about the Raiders in this off season. And let me tell you, don't don't put that on twitter because they will find you and they will just they will not stop they are just they will tell you that they had a top 10 offense last year and that them running the ball so much is is good because teams that run the ball make the playoffs that is what they say Uh, so i love it i love what you said about the raiders my my main team that is set to fall off cliff one of the teams i have is the saints as well but the tennessee titans Mainly because when you talked about the New Orleans Saints of you lose you lose talent in the front office, coaching staff, and and also the roster. Same thing happened with the Titans too. I am not a Corey Davis fan. I will acknowledge that he had a very efficient season as a number two receiver, and losing Jonu Smith, future NFL Hall of Famer. That those those two losses where they did not replace them. I like Briley more as a guy that could maybe one day be what John New Smith's role in that offense is because they're similar build, similar athleticism. But like it took John New several years to become what he what he did this past season, the year before. Now you lose John New Smith, and Corpse Davis. I mean Corey Davis, and you don't replace him with anything. Yeah, I mean also Humphreys. I, I mean and Humphreys, you lose Humphreys. Uh, he was great on IR last year, but like they had, they had a very tight salary cap, which prevented them from being able to do anything besides going, "Hey, Anthony Ferkser is going to be the guy, and uh, Nick Westbrook is going to be elevated up the depth chart, and here is a veteran minimum contract for Josh Reynolds." They couldn't, like those guys can't replace what Corey Davis and Johnny Smith were. Probably most importantly is Arthur Smith is gone too. And that was the guy that was that was able to take the talents of Derrick Henry and Corey Davis and Johnu Smith. And, and AJ Brown is he's probably fine. Like I feel like any competent coach can make AJ Brown work. But the guy that unleashed Johnu Smith in particular and, and was able to get Corey Davis from who was almost a bust and, and be able to turn him into a a high functioning, very efficient, as mentioned, wide receiver in this offense. Like, what's their offense going to look like? Like, my goodness, like, I'm concerned about Derrick Henry this upcoming season because defenses can just put eight guys in the box now. They don't, they just have to worry about Corey Davis 
or Corey Davis, sorry, AJ Brown. They don't have to worry about whoever's on the other side of the, of the line. They just need to focus on shutting down Derrick Henry and you can use a safety to, to shadow um, AJ Brown. If you're, if you're concerned about him. and with Ryan Tannehill as well, we've seen Tannehill succeed with just Arthur Smith calling the plays. Can he still succeed with, I don't even know who their new play caller is, but like that, that's a lot of change. That's a lot of change. And the Colts are coming. The Colts are coming to take that division. The Titans won the division last year. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, even with seven teams. That's a lot of talent that they, they replaced poorly. Yeah, no, the Titans were kind of elite last year in a sense. I mean, they finished very high and everyone, like I, writing power rankings i read a bunch of other ones just to see and just to be like sassy in my head like oh you don't know what you're talking about and everyone has the titans still like top 12 like everyone's like oh they're fine nothing's changed they're fine and like they also lost their defensive coordinator not just arthur smith everyone just knows arthur smith the defensive coordinator's gone and <clears throat> they or jenkins and jadavian Clowney go i'm sorry they let a dory jackson and jadavian Clowney go just to replace them with janoris jenkins and bud dupree and these titan fans are like oh they got better they got bud dupree i'm like listen is he better than Clowney? possibly but like there's no identity on the defense it's a defense that's had no identity for five years and they continue to perpetuate a lack of identity that's why some weeks they're amazing some weeks they're garbage and I, I agree that, like, they had 11 wins, I think, last year. I They were 9-7 and seven the four years before that. I think they're going to be just on the wrong side of 500. They're going to go 8-9, and nine, something like that, 7-10. and 10. But I agree, like, there is a decline. Um, you know, losing all those guys on, on, on offense hurts, but it, it only takes away, like, two wins. I think the loss of coaching hurts more. And that, you know, we're just – we're going to see Ryan Tannehill's Cinderella story. You know, the clock strikes midnight – and Derrick Henry's getting up there, and A.J. Brown's a beast. I mean, you want to take him first overall in any format, fine, go for it. He's going to get a lot of targets. But, like, A.J. Brown being good at football does not mean the Titans win football games. They're, they're not correlated. It's just – it's going to be ugly in, in Tennessee, but they're not going to be outright terrible. I mean, they're still, like, better than the Jaguars. I'm not worried yeah. about that. <laughs> All right, very good, fellas. Very good. I – I can't disagree with anything you guys said. And so we'll just end the game and announce the winner, which is it was pretty one-sided, Aaron. Put up a little better effort next time, man. Jesus. 21 to 6, we got Chris. It continues his master status here on the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. That's right. Okay, so as we move along to close out the show and end the tea party. Get the fuck out of here. Before we do, we'll hit on a couple of quick things. To begin, Chris, I have to know just one thing. This is mainly for me. Is Urban Meyer trying to ruin the Jaguars? Or is this just media crap blown out of proportion? ATN stuff. I mean, it's which is already weird to me. And then and then this all this Tebow stuff. And then I read some, like he said something about maybe playing Tebow at quarterback. That's bullshit, right? It's got to be bullshit. Is it that there's no fucking way? Is there? No, no, no. Are you kidding me? I am a Jets fan lifelong. I watched the Jets oh. sign Tim Tebow <laughs> and never have him throw a single pass. They're trying to get people in stance. You okay. tell people Tim Tebow's throwing the ball, you're coming to a football game. I mean, put it this way. 
you know, if, if the, the Jaguars, you know, can Urban Meyer really ruin something that's already ruined? If the Jaguars are spoiled milk, it might still smell like spoiled milk. But if anything, Urban Meyer is just trying to make some yogurt. So, like, give the dude a break. Like, he's, it's, you're just premature on the next step. You know, he's going to make some butter. He's going to turn something. I mean, I, you know, there's the history of college coaches failing at the NFL. I honestly, it's, for me, it's wait and see. I have a lot of situations where, like, I'm very bold. This is what I think is going to happen. The Jaguars are waiting and see. And it's one of those situations where coaching's overrated anyway. Talent's going to win out. And you have Trevor Lawrence. I mean, plenty of shitty coaches get propped up by great quarterbacks. So, you know, Urban Meyer might be out here trying to play 3D chess. But Trevor Lawrence is a chess master. So it really doesn't matter what game Urban Meyer is trying to play. I completely agree. I just think it's funny. All of it. It's hilarious. All of it. I mean, Jacksonville is just it's it's funny. It's it's no, interesting. Bring Tebow back. I <laughs> I studied in uh I was in Binghamton in college at the time when he played with the Rumble Ponies. I lived up the block from the stadium and I spent money to go watch Tim Tebow play baseball. If Tim Tebow does something, people will spend money to watch you do it. I mean, it's it's business one oh one. Aaron. Yeah, I I think the only I do agree that he's gonna he's gonna ruin the Jaguars. Well, no, they're already ruined. But like you know, you had hope when they're collecting draft picks. You're like, okay, NFL teams have, have gotten smart. We saw with the Dolphins, we saw the Bills do it. I actually have hope that the Lions are going to do things the right way. I I like what they did in the draft. They're like taking the offensive lineman when they could have taken a flashy receiver or something. It was like, okay, they're establishing an identity. Like they actually have a solid offensive line. The Jaguars, when they made the obvious pick, Trevor Lawrence, cool. And then they went running back. I was like, oh shit, here we go. With Urban Meyer though, I feel like some of this publicity stuff may be to take attention away from a team that is young, is going to have to develop. That is up the optimistic way of thinking of this but uh, i i don't <laughs> let's let's be real here urban meyer ray gq put it best on his podcast like he's gonna be here for like three seasons four seasons at most he's gonna start having health problems because we've seen this everywhere he goes he'll sit out for a year or two and then when the usc coaching job opens up he'll take it that's what ray gq says and I believe it as well. Like that's, that's what Urban Meyer does. He works these teams. And when the moment it starts to go bad, he's out of there. He's just here in the NFL because it's the biggest paycheck. And ah, I would feel bad for Jaguars fans, but that, that statement assumes that there are Jaguars fans. I think the city of Jacksonville has already given up on them because they keep wanting to move them overseas. But, hey, you know, props to Urban Meyer. He made his uh, professional wrestling debut last night. So he's got another career. I didn't know that. What, what, what was he on? <laughs> is, this, is this true or are you making a joke? So, no, no. So uh, AEW is owned by uh, by the Khan family, the same family mm-hmm. that owns the Jaguars. So their wrestling venue is attached to the field. And they had a match last night where they just wrestled around the, the stadium, stadium stampede. So they were there in the Jaguar stadium. And one of one, one part of that, that match was they made it to the coach's office and uh, Urban Meyer hands his laptop over to one of the wrestlers to break over the back of the other guy. Uh, 
we know Urban Meyer's not using a laptop, so that's that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's funny, man. But yeah, I mean, Urban, I wouldn't let it affect my fantasy analysis at all. John Gruden's Raiders still gave us an eight and eight season, and Darren Waller last year. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's Cardinals are one of the best, most prolific offenses in football. Even if he doesn't know how to call a pass play on second down, like coaching's overrated just just listen to Mac Kelly on that one he's not right about everything but he has two or three bangers every year and that's one of them yep absolutely. oh yeah mine was more in a general sense because I did, I'm with you there's a lot of stuff that is worse for regular football than fantasy football you know like um and and I'm definitely interested to see what Urban does but I do think it, it it's it's all yeah, it's just crazy. I, I just, I love the, I, I actually like the chaos type stuff. And to me, this is a, yeah, give me some chaos. So Tim Tebow back. Okay. I mean, he's kind of irritating to me, but, <laughs> but there's some chaos. So I can't say no, but um, then I wanted to bring up the zero battle challenge that uh, Aaron participated in. Um, I am participating in and basically you pick either zero RB, zero, or zero wide receiver. And then you go the first six rounds with that choice. And Aaron went zero wide receiver, I believe. And <laughs> I went zero wide receiver. And, uh, well, Aaron, tell us about a little bit about what you did. So the when I went zero wide receiver – I went true zero wide receiver. Those first six rounds, I drafted all running backs. And the starting starting lineup is quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and a flex. The reason I took all running backs is half the league is locked out from taking running backs. So you know what? I want to make sure that I handicap them even more. It's kind of game theory that you, that, that you mentioned earlier. So like, even in the sixth round, I took Tony Pollard because, hey, you know, that's a popular, popular uh, zero RB pick there. And I'm going to make sure that they have to work a little bit harder on finding those running backs there. And, and also if something happens to Zeke, I'd rather be the guy that could start Tony Pollard and, and get loads of Dallas Cowboys offense points and not, the zero zero RB guys. And what I also found too, is like when I was allowed to actually draft receivers, the top two receivers I took was Tyler Boyd, as I mentioned, and I'm very comfortable with, with that, especially paired up with Joe Burrow. If they have a good game. Awesome. Uh, I also took Devonte Smith and the kind of the, the belief on that was Philly passed a lot last year. They averaged over 41 pass attempts. It was, Top seven, I believe, just off the top of my head. Like they were in the top quarter um, of the NFL in, in pass attempts. And Philly's going to be bad this year. And I know it's Jalen Hurts, but I don't fully know what they're going to do with Smith. Are they going to use him in the slot? Are they going to use him out wide? But you look at the receivers there. Jalen Raker is the only legit NFL receiver. And we don't even really know if he's legit yet. It was a, it was a pretty rough rookie season. Devontae Smith? I don't, I think it's within his, uh, within the realm of possibilities that he gets a hundred targets. It might not be a hundred great targets, but I just wanted to target receivers in, in passing offenses that were going to pass a lot. Like my third receiver, I got Mike Williams of the chargers. Yes. I, it would be better if it was best ball because I'm sure I'm going to start Mike Williams on the weeks that he gets one catch for 15 yards and I'll leave him on the bench when he goes for two touchdowns. 
but at least I, I targeted a receiver that's going to be in an offense that passes a lot. Mike Williams is is overlooked. Uh, he, all the injuries are, have have kind of ruined uh, Mike Williams on on all of us. But hey, if if he's out there, there's no Hunter Henry this year, as you mentioned. There's an old Jared Cook. Mike Williams could have some passing volume and a tight end was actually, I waited till the very last pick and I went Tyler Higby because Higby will at least be on the field for all the downs. <laughs> Higby. I almost got ruined on him last year. Not that I drafted him. It's because I avoided him because I knew he was going to be such a disappointment, but now everyone else is, they were ruined on Higby and I just waited and Higby, was a tight end that that fell to me at the last pick and i i also drafted i drafted i believe i drafted trey lance i i did go to qb because i wanted that upside too trey lance ends up if he ends up being that rushing quarterback there like i'm hoping joe burrow can get me through the first half of the season and then trey lance in the second half if he's what we hope he is a uh konami code quarterbacks heck yeah plus I did have some league mates drafting around me that haven't taken a quarterback. So, you know, kind of stick it to them as well. So I guess my, my main strategy in this was kind of ruining other people's draft strategies. It was great. I, I love like the spite drafting. I mean, it's, <laughs> you have to embrace it. You're zigging, yep. zigging, and you were given the option to zag and you said zigging works and it is a strategy. <laughs> You're gambling. Yep. It's a way to gamble. You had, yeah, you're good. That's great. And I, I yes. love Tyler Higby, the the podfather he posted last season early on in, 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 in the offseason, the Higby Everett splits to be like, why on earth are you drafting Higby? He should post just the same tweet, retweet it now. Why on earth are you not drafting Higby? Right. Yes, Everett's I love gone. it. Like, what are we talking about here, people? And Mike it. Williams, look up Mike Williams highlight clips. And tell oh, yeah. me you're not watching like Randy Moss. Like the dude can ball. He just hasn't put it together. He either gets a thousand right. yards or 10 <clears throat> touchdowns. Can't do both. I mean, he's a great wide receiver three. I mean, you, you, he's fine. I definitely like your approach there, Aaron. I mean, yeah, Higby's great. You know, being spiteful, taking, taking, you know, taking, taking all the running backs. I mean, <laughs> you're doing all the things that embody the Roto underworld of just, <laughs> just, you know, being smart, being clever, being a bit of a dick. I mean, it is the perfect all one package. So I, I feel like if Matt heard you, he would be proud. I'm definitely proud. So it sounds like you're doing great. And I got the Chris thumbs up of approval. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's a good team. <laughs> Ryan, I'm, how's your team? I'm still in the midst of my draft. We're just getting – I'll be honest. I was hoping Antonio Brown would fall to me. It doesn't look like he's going to. I'm just getting out of the six, first six rounds into the seventh round. And um, <clears throat> I almost did what you did. I had intended on going – all running back for six rounds. But these fucking assholes, they I'll admit, they had me panicked a little bit because they were acting like this was super flex or something. There was just teams all of a sudden, it was like, what, fourth, fifth round? Just, just start, quarterbacks just started popping off the board everywhere. And like, it got pretty bad. And I was like, I'm not comfortable. Like, I still, I like, I want to I want to do the thing, but I also want to try and win this fucking thing. So mm-hmm. I ended up grabbing Baker Mayfield. But other than that, I went Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, Javonta Williams, and Leonard Fournette. So 
I think the top running back drafted by these guys, the first one, Kenyon Drake was the first one drafted by the zero RB guys. <laughs> and there's a reason for that too. It's uh, you know, it's not the talent, it's the coaching staff and what they do. Cause you know, when I was going through and studying the Raiders and what they did last year, there was one game Josh Jacobs missed uh, last season. And do you know who the backup uh, the, like there's Jalen Richard, but he's not really Devontae the backup Booker, running. right? Yep, Devontae well, Booker. Killing it. Oh my God, right. he's so it, good. And, and Booker, the one game Jacobs didn't play, Booker got 17 touches in that game. So that's why, like, I even put in the in the draft kit, I put Kenyon Drake is the running back, the zero RB truthers need to have on their team because like that that fits that philosophy of you're drafting guys because you think something's gonna happen to the starter and if something happens to josh jacobs like not that drake deserves to have all the touches there but like it it Kenyon drake will be at least a top 15 fantasy running back it will be disgusting it will be nasty but that's that's just what like that's why they paid so much money for Kenyon Drake is they want to establish the damn run <laughs> and it's sickening. <laughs> Kenyon Drake is the only Oakland Raider whose career is boosted by being an Oakland Raider in 2021. <laughs> he is just completely vaulted. Yeah, you're right. Listen, you got to <laughs> follow the money sometimes. They paid him real money. They don't trust in Jacobs to take the full workload. I mean, yeah. he's going to get work, but I love Drake in best ball. I'm not a zero RB guy, but when I am one and I have to go wide receiver early, dude, take Kenyon Drake. I mean, he's going to get touches. It's easy. And Ryan, I I love what you were saying about like, you know, you had a strategy, but you had to diverge from it because of what was going on in, in, in the draft room. And I was fully on board with you until you said Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I just, I lost on the inside. I mean, That's all right. Well, we can agree to disagree on that one. Cause I, I, th- I think Baker's doing some slinging this year. I don't, I don't know. I can't say what'll happen with the Odell thing. Cause th- there is something weird there with him and Odell, but he works well with Jarvis. They got great tight ends. I love me some Anthony Schwartz. I think Baker's going to have a really good year. That's me personally. Um, but I think he's yeah. going to have a really good real football year. But I think fantasy-wise, you know, he's obviously going to score points and he'll have right. weeks, but there are going to be a lot of ball control, a lot of winning games. This is a very good team. I have my number five in my power rankings. I think the Browns are incredible. Yeah. Nick, Chubb is, Nick Chubb is the driver of that offense. They remind me a lot of the 2009 Jets where it was, you know, um, Ladanian Tomlinson and Sean Green. I got you. Mark Sanchez, who was just the game manager. They had this incredible defense. The Brigashaw Ferguson, Nick Mangold, you know, they had the, the the two good receivers, Braylon Edwards and San Antonio Holmes. That's Odell and Jarvis Landry. Like, Baker's doing just enough, but I don't see, like, I don't see anything higher than, like, a QB 18 finish. So, like, I, maybe you had no other choice, but I would have just gone upside like Trey Lance, like Aaron did. Just, hey, like. If you drafted Justin Herbert last year, you weren't sad about that. Actually, in the Scott Fishbowl satellite that I was in, I finished top 100 out of like a 1,000 people solely because I waited too long on quarterback, and my only option was Justin Herbert as my QB2, and it worked out. worked out beautifully, flying mm-hmm. colors. So, like, just because they're not starting the season doesn't mean they can't win you fantasy leagues. Like, but that's just me. I mean, I sometimes – I'm sorry. Like, I totally bought the uh, gloves today. <laughs> I can't just buy them. <laughs> oh, no, no, dude. You're good. I love it. I love I, it. I, 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 think it, I think there was plenty of people who – there would be plenty of people that didn't like that pick. Maybe I'm a little over on Baker than most, and, and I'm okay with being wrong on him. But um, 
I feel like he's going to do more this year that I think he's going to be more than what he was last year. That's me personally, but I also see your opinion and <laughs> I did, but right there, it, definitely Trey Lance. Was he available? Yeah, he was available. Last <laughs> he, he'll probably be available late. Um, well, that's, like, that was my thinking him. He, Oh yeah. Cause I was going to look at maybe it was a sleeper. Him. His sleeper ADP is just so low, in which I know I'm drafting with sharks in that league, but I was kind of like monitoring it. I was like, I could still wait, still wait. It kind of is, but he's a little closer to the top now after the last couple of rounds. So you guys must have a ton of quarterbacks fly off the board. That's what I was saying. Like, yeah, in the area I was at with the quarterbacks, I was like, I want to take one here before they start going down. And I was like, because like worst case scenario, I'll fucking take like like the end of the list. You got Tua, Ben, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold. I was like, worst case scenario, I'll fucking take another one there is what I was thinking. So I'm like, I'm just going to grab a guy here. And me personally, Baker was the guy I liked in that vicinity. But uh yeah, Trey Lance. Listen, he, he, he won't be, <laughs> he's not going to be the reason you lose any week, but he's not going to win you any week. Right. You, you, 18 points. About that. But, I mean, I, um, I don't know if you have more topics, but before we end it, just super quick, lightning round. I Aaron, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Okay, he didn't just throw 40 touchdowns last <laughs> year. He threw 610 pass attempts. That was number two in the NFL. He did that with a supporting cast efficiency that ranked 10th, which is high. But realize that supporting cast had half a year of Godwin, half a year of Antonio Brown. We're talking like Scott Miller, Tyler Johnson, yeah. Mike Evans, the, the corpse of Rob Gron- Gronkowski. Tom Brady learned the playbook in week 13. And Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls, more than any NFL franchise ever. Why is he still playing at this point? I'll tell you why. To continue to sh- prove people wrong. What's the one thing he's never done? 20-0, 19-0. What's the one thing that would continue to impress someone at 44 after winning a Super Bowl at 43? Winning an MVP. If Tom Brady, Tom Brady was the QB7 last year. Even if he regresses to what, QB10? He's being drafted mm-hmm. at QB10. It's, 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 if you're not going to get a Konami code, if you miss out on everyone up to Hertz, why would you not draft Tom Brady? He has like the best team around him. The dude's the GOAT. He was number one in deep ball attempts last year. Number one. The dude didn't even know the playbook and he's just slinging it. Like, put some respect on the name, Aaron. And put some respect on the name. <laughs> I love it. I, I admit, I get a little like, uh, I, I've, I love my Konami code quarterback. So, but, but yes, yeah. I, hey, like I wrote a, I wrote a Super Bowl preview piece um, for, for that last Super Bowl. And I, I was like, Tom Brady is going to feast on this defense. I called the Gronkowski touchdown. I was, yes, I, that was, that was a fun thing. I did not think, I hadn't seen anything like that on Roto Underworld on Player Profiler. I didn't think Matt Kelly was going to be on board, but I just kind of pitched it. I was like, "Hey, you know what do you think?" And you know, it it ruined the Super Bowl for me. Like, I, I had too many things right in that Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, oh. but sometimes, like, especially when you talk about betting and stuff, you get to the Super Bowl and it's the it's the easiest thing to bet because you have an entire season of samples to, to go off of. It's like, I know how the chiefs play. I know how the Buccaneers play. I knew how Tom Brady played and, and Tom Brady made uh, you know, I did predict the Packers to, to beat the Buccaneers and maybe with some better plate calling. 
and putting so, Aaron Rodgers, you know, not going for the field goal, maybe that could, maybe it could have happened. But yeah. definitely respect I, the name. I placed four prop bets on the Super Bowl last year. I placed Gronkowski to score a touchdown, Gronkowski to score two touchdowns, Gronkowski to score three touchdowns, Gronkowski to score a first half touchdown. <laughs> it was three for four. What? <laughs> I just I knew it. I was touchdowns. like, it's gonna be Gronk. Well, yeah. he was this close to three touchdowns. If he scored yeah. three touchdowns, I was quitting my job. Like, is I'm going full time well, fantasy. I don't. <laughs> and you're right because like just in looking at that defense, that was I was like, the Chiefs can't stop tight ends in the end zone. <laughs> And also, but also not even looking at defense, my entire mentality was just it's Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. When he gets to the red yeah. zone, who's he going to look right. at? He's a little Rob Gronkowski. Like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that. You just have to have had watched football like literally once and yeah. you can figure that out. So, like, it's good <laughs> oh, to go. It's so true. But yeah, please great. let's all great. respect Tom Brady. Like I, I, I'm hoping I'm sorry, this week Tom. I see a pro Tom Brady tweet from you, Aaron, or else like I'm <laughs> be very upset. I'll, I'll be working on that one. I, yeah, it, and and trust me, I didn't even mean any disrespect because I'm the type of person when people you get on Twitter and people are like, oh, I'm tired of Tom Brady winning, and I'm like, we're witnessing greatness here and we're never going to see this in our lifetime. Stop bitching about it. Just because I did in my younger days, you know, and I didn't have this, I didn't have a full beard. Like, yes. Like I was like, Oh, Brady and the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. But then like, even when he was still with the, still with the Patriots, it was like, guys don't do this. Like you don't get to see this. Like I didn't, I was too young to really watch Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Um, so I'm watching this. I'm like, I'm not going to miss this. And I'm not going to catch myself like rooting against a guy that wants greatness. Like everything he does is centered around being the best, like changing, changing his diet, the way he practices everything. So, so I certainly didn't mean <laughs> Yeah, I didn't I mean, mean the disrespect. True, Brady, maybe but... put him on a best ball team or two. I don't know what we're talking about, here, bro. <laughs> my next best ball team. Listen, my, listen, my next best Tom, ball team. Will Tom Brady Tom wants Brady. greatness. You don't think Tom Brady's work ethic can win you a million dollars, bro? Because come on, son, what are we talking my, about? <laughs> my next, my next best ball team. Well, Tom Brady will be my first round pick, and so just I will if try you to make miss, it work. Just if if you don't get anyone up to Hertz. Hertz is like the ninth. He's the last Konami guy, unless yeah. you own Fields late. Like Tom Brady, man. What are we now, and now I can't miss Brady. I think like I'm gonna have to make sure. You know, we talked about getting your guy going a couple of rounds. Like I, I don't know, maybe if I feel like he's gonna go in the second round, I'll get him in the first round. So yeah, do a little Brady. I'll have to put some money there. Uh, yeah, a little Brady Fournette. I mean, I I actually think he's a value in Dynasty. I just traded for him in a Dynasty. He's gonna play two more years. Listen, you can't see the future beyond two years in Dynasty. You're telling me I have a top ten QB for two years? Sign me up. Value in Dynasty. Forty three years Perfect. old complete <laughs> so that, that's my hot take i love it <laughs> actually we gotta end on that one in in, in one dynasty league he's actually him and sam darnold those are my quarterbacks in that particular league so interesting pairing so uh, I, I went I, bold i i needed a qb in this league in this team that i had everything but quarterback and tight end i traded the 111 for brady and tanyan risky but i don't need whatever Devontae Smith, I'll take a quarterback and a tight end that will both be top eight at their position. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go win this league. Love it. Yeah, I trade a lot of late re- first round picks. I do that a lot, unless it's a really, really good year. <laughs> I don't think I did last year. Um, 
but that's awesome. Hey, I have some personal issues with Tom Brady, but when it comes to the football aspect, I, yeah, man, you got to, we're watching fucking greatness. I unfortunately, well, fortunately, fortunate, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, am old enough to have watched Jordan. I watched him with my dad and uh, I love the NBA. It was something my dad and I shared and I don't, I've, LeBron's been great, but people want to debate. And I'm like, I don't know. LeBron does some crazy shit for his size at the visit, but I've never seen anything like Jordan was just straight killer. Like just <laughs> LeBron's a little bit of a whiner. If you've noticed <laughs> like Jordan was just, I, and obviously I was a little younger, so I can't remember crisply, but I just remember like being such in awe of those bull team bulls teams, particularly Jordan and just how great he fucking was. And so it, it, it's, yeah, I feel like I've not seen anything like that in basketball since. And it's the same thing with Tom Brady. We're not going to see anything like this, you know, like, <laughs> like dudes winning fucking Super Bowl at 43 years old. What, what, what it's insane. It's insane. So unless anybody has anything else, I was going to ask you about the Jets. You want to give us any Jets takes? You've talked, you've mentioned the Jets on the show. So do you got anything else you want to add in before we get the hell out of here? Yeah, um, Jets are a terrible team. They've been making the smartest decisions <laughs> they've made in a decade. The last time they were good was through just sheer personality. Rex Ryan was a motivator and Darrell Revis was pff, amazing, legendary. Um, best decision making in 10 years in terms of Anna analytics addressing positions at value with guys like Corey Davis and Carl Lawson. Trevor Lawrence is a complete black box prospect, but anyone who doesn't like the pick, put it this way. The Jets have been complete garbage for 50 years. All these other quarterbacks are going to make you average, probably, unless you're a great organization that can build up Trey Lance. I don't want Justin Fields to make the Jets win 10 games for the next five years. I want Trevor Lawrence to either be Patrick Mahomes or them to try again, because I don't want an average Jets team as being a Jets fan. They are either going to be amazing or be terrible, and it's fine. But everything's wait and see right now. No one can properly evaluate the Jets until we see this coaching staff, this new version of their roster, and everything, you know, their new quarterback play some football games. But based on a lot of the moves they've made, we can see they're at least using analytics. And I like Joe Douglas, and I like Robert Sala. It's at least the best duo they've had at GM coach in a while. I just hope that this narrative that New York media drives players out of, out of town doesn't take effect because like, it's not true. I mean, I live in New York. I talk to Jets fans every day. You'd be surprised how many Jets fans were pounding the, the drum to keep Darnold for a fourth year. Mm. I was pounding the drum for the opposite. Jets fans <laughs> are not as cutthroat as people think. We're right. very tired of coaching and GMs. But quarterbacks like, yo, we'll give you a chance. We'll give you a chance. Zach Wilson will get three honest years unless he's just Johnny Manziel. So, like, everything's wait and see, though. There's really not much to talk about the Jets except for trying to get players at value because someone will emerge, probably Denzel Mims. And other, other than that, like, we got to watch at least eight weeks of football before we know what this version of this team is going to be. They're the most black box team in the NFL right now going into 21. But – as a Jets fan, there is a recurring annual cycle. They give you hope. They're on the rise. There's reasons to believe for the future. You start actually watching them play football. You remember that life is nothing but despair and pain. You fall. You drink. You watch some other teams. You watch a different sport. You wait for hockey to start. And then we get to the offseason. Okay. They have an early pick. We started again. So we're at the up on the cycle. So I'm still feeling good. 
but give me like four months. It'll it'll be pain. You'll be getting some violent tweets coming out of the early down grinder. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. And and I couldn't agree more, man. That hope you said hope. It's 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 really and that's it for any team kind of in y'all situation. And um, so it's the best. And I'm with you. The coaching doesn't matter that much. But going um um from Mr. Gase to Robert Robert Sala, I'd say it is a significant upgrade because <laughs> I just don't like Mr. Gase. That dude is just uh, yeah. That, uh. Anyway, first coach of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Aaron, do you want to add anything before we get the hell out of here? Well, I, I wrote about the Jets for for the draft guide, and yeah, I. What you mentioned about the Jets is what I saw too. I was like, well, when I first got them, I was like, well, I'm up for the challenge. But what they did with the draft, I might be riding that roller coaster with you because I was like, he seems to be smart picks and everything. And I, I think I'm starting to get some hope for him. And I'm sure I'm going to be just in the despair. I'll probably be joining you for a drink too because I'd be like, I talked about this team. I wrote about them. And now they're just completely different but uh, it it was an interesting team to dissect on on everything there and i hope things are different i think it might start with joe douglas fingers crossed because you don't want teams to be bad forever eventually you're just like you feel for the fans so i'm hoping this combination here that it works but we'll see in four months (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. In my original power rankings, I put what the lowest a team has to do to consider the season a win, you know, like win five games, make the playoffs, whatever. For the Jets, it was just play football at a professional level because they were a college team last year. They, this, they're they yeah. not going to win games this year, and they don't have to win games to be considered a success this year. They just right. have to be competitive. I mean, living right. here and I turn on TV on Sunday without red zone or streaming, like if I just will go turn on cable – I'm going to watch the Jets on Sunday. Like, no, it's not going to happen. So they just have to be watchable. Watchable is a massive step up. Yep. There you go. And you said hockey. Are you a hockey fan? Puck fan? More of a hockey player. Um, I haven't, oh, like, shit. I just haven't followed it in a while. I'm a big Islanders guy. I just, like, I followed it a lot more as a kid. I've gotten so absorbed in football that I've just blocked out all other sports. So, like, I'll go play yeah. hockey, and I'm watching right now because they're in the playoffs, but oh, I, yeah. like, I don't know it enough anymore. I used to. I used to. Not anymore. Hmm. Okay. All right. I was going to say another puckhead. All right. <laughs> no, definitely a puck guy. Definitely a yeah. puck guy. I, like is... I said, I, I'd rather be chirping on the side of, of, of the bench waiting for my shift than like <laughs> chirping my buddy who's a Rangers fan. So there you go. There you go. All right. Aaron, any last things that I already asked you? What the hell are we doing? Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out. Thank you, Chris B, the E. G for joining us this week. Very much appreciated. Thank you for kicking our ass a little bit. Thank you for sharing some knowledge a little bit. We very much enjoyed your time. It was good stuff. And you're welcome back anytime, bro. Any Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to get the hell out of here. From me, from the March, Aaron. Aaron, you good? Aaron, you good? I'm good. I'm good. Great episode. Let's get the hell out of here next week. Next week. Call this Sir the Neil Dutton will join us at the tea party. Very good times. Very good times. As always, much love. Have a great week. From the chatter, the heron, and the EDG. Ta-ta for now. Laters! From
mad.